some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. We all know wrestling fans aren't all that bright. But fortunately for you, I've been given an exorbitant amount of time here tonight to force feed you all with knowledge like a five-year-old being fed mac and cheese. Oh, okay, honey, I'll read off the sheet. Can you just do the world a favor? Give me a little smile, huh? Huh? You look so much prettier when you do that, honey. Thank you so much. Okay, speech time, speech time. Please, I love you too. Before I start this speech, I would like to implore you, our AEW fans who we are so grateful for, please use the following hashtags. Hashtag MJF2020 and hashtag NotMyChampion. You'll find out why in a moment's time, so please bear with me. Thank you. Right now, I'm sure you people are shocked to see me here on Dynamite two weeks in a row. Yeah, not on the sidelines, you know, with, with the bench warmers. You're doing great, by the way, guys. Proud of you. Proud of you. Now I'm sure you're asking yourself, huh, MJF, that's a really good point. Why does that always happen to you? I'll tell you. The reason I'm never spotlighted two weeks in a row is because a certain individual is afraid of being upstaged two weeks in a row. And that is why it is time for a change in leadership around here. Change. It's a powerful word I just used. I remember when this company first started, I saw men calling for change. One man in particular called for a paradigm shift. He said he wanted out with the old and in with the new. Well, I don't know about you people, but a guy on top of the card who gets to do whatever he wants, say whatever he wants, and wrestle whoever he wants, simply because he came from the place of Titans, isn't new. That's old hat, brother. This quickly went from being a revolution and has unfortunately turned into a dictatorship, and that is why John Moxley is not my champion. Now hold on, people. I cannot tell a lie. Absolutely. I will not stand here and pretend that John Moxley isn't one of the greatest wrestlers our great sport has ever seen. However, I feel it's high time that we, as a society, have an honest discussion about all the negative side effects that have occurred ever since the Moxley reign has started. Wrestling. It's on the marquee, and yet, people, where is it? All I see is a bunch of great wrestlers having to come out here and perform gymnastics, flip-flop and fly and or almost die in an attempt to make you, the viewers at home, think they're good at their job? That's just wrong. But I don't blame you, AEW fans. You see, you have been brainwashed into thinking that that is what good professional wrestling is. And that brainwashing starts all the way at the tippy top. And that is why, Jonathan, a world champion is supposed to lead by example. He is not supposed to let his roster mates come out here and play wrestle, and he's damn sure not supposed to come out here and cosplay as a specific wrestler, and that's a stone-cold fact. Now, I don't have to play wrestler because I am one. I'm undefeated. I am the first and last MJF. You know what I'm not, though, ladies and gentlemen? I'm not a media analyst, and yet everybody wants to pretend to be because everybody wants to talk about ratings. 
And that's why we treat dictator John so well, right? Because of his name value, right? Because where on earth would the numbers lie without dictator John, right? Wrong. You know who on average happens to draw better numbers minute for minute than your dictator John? Yours truly. Oh, oh, you didn't know that, did you? That's because Dictator John doesn't want you to. See, according to Dictator John, I'm not on his level. Why should he have to deal with the likes of me? And to that I say, how dare you? AEW is meant to be the land of opportunity, and you've squandered that. And that is why it's time for a new guard around here. Because the old guard's been running the show on this planet for centuries, and look where it's gotten us, people. War. Famine, disease, our earth is dying and so are our morals, and yet here we are with John Moxley running the old guard, and our infrastructure is falling and falling fast. Well, I'm here to tell you people that I can catch this company, throw it on my back, and sprint this brand up the steep terrain to the very top, because my talent outweighs your tenure, John. I am AEW. I bleed black, white, and gold. I'm the guy who's going to be leading this company for the next 25 years. Do the math and grab a calculator. And that is why I'm making a promise to you that I will not stop until we go from happily glad-handing each other for being the alternative and transform this brand into the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Very poignant remarks from... Uh, John Moxley, I am challenging you for your world title and announcing my candidacy as the AEW World Champion. I'll see you at All Out, John.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 216 of the Hoops Podcast. Hashtag give me the green light as um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember which artist uh, did that. Was it a Pitbull song? Pitbull, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Another great WrestleMania theme song. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's the Hoots Podcast, or the podcast that hoots, as Brother Carter would say. Yeah. Really, the nefarious brother Adam Joshi Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Hit me up on Instagram if you'd like, Joshi Lopez94. And a new thing I wanted to plug here outside of my website um, I, I started a new YouTube channel where I'm uploading my guitar covers and stuff. Uh, type in Joshi Lopez and you'll find a picture for me from high school with my guitar and it, it, it's right there for you guys to go check it out. Also, make sure you check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com Our Brad, our baby my, actually my baby it's, um, it's a love work but you know, covering 13 wrestling shows are not a week is not easy but I try to make the best out of it and then um, also, since we're doing the podcast right now, right now on my feed and also going to be on the TBD Wrestling Podcast feed this week. I just recorded a special episode with referee Tony S. from the TBD Wrestling Podcast. And we broke down the state of in-ring wrestling in 2020. So if you want to get my thoughts on referee discretion and tag team wrestling in 2020 and my process behind breaking down matches and stuff like that, go check out Tony talks about his experience being a referee and lucky pro wrestling in uh, the New England wrestling scene. It's, it's a very uh, cool and informative episode. And I think you guys really appreciate it. And find out which match really convinced me into why I wanted to be a play-by-play guy in the first place. So it, it, it was a lot of fun to shoot the shit with Tony for the first time in a long time. I think the last time I did a audio show with him was the pipe bomb. So, the pipe bomb, yeah. and uh, that, that was a lot of fun to do. So, um, make sure to subscribe to the TVD Wrestling Podcast. Um, it's great to see a lot of great new podcasts coming out, but also great news to see that Rant with Dan is uh, coming back as well. So, I want to give a quick shout out to Anthony and Stefano, the good brother Phil Cantado, and Isam. Uh, join the Rant Foundation. That's that's their new slang. That's their new branding for their new show. It's Rant with Dan, but it's, it's new, new vibe. So join the Rant Foundation. Uh, type it out, Rant Foundation. I think that's their handle on Twitter, Matt. And yeah. um, go support Ant and everybody that's going on with that. Um, I felt bad. There was a lot of good wrestling shows that went off the wayside just because of real life and all this stuff. But uh, the uh, Ant's always been one of the best podcasters. Um, that's done stuff like this over the years. I'm glad to call him a really good friend and a good brother over the years. I always support him and um, just happy to see him being happy to do a show again. So that makes me happy. And also, Phil's funny. I always enjoy talking to him. And Issa is Issa. And I always got to support the fellow Boricans in the world. So <laughs> um, with that said... I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me talk. Um, I am alongside the one and only, the man that's the Chet Cheddarfield to my... No, I can't do that. That's unfair. He's actually Lance Cannonran. It's the other way around. I'm the Chet Cheddarfield to his last Cannonran. Right. But in another world, he is Max Kellerman to my Stephen A. Smith. He is the Byron Saxon to my Mauro Ranallo. Here he is, the one and only director of operations, 
Brother Carter himself, Derek Stoughton. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Round of applause, round of applause, round of applause for myself. What's going on, everybody? Uh, thrilled to be back, uh, reunited with the pipe bomb as only the reuniting can happen. So thrilled to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I won't talk too long because we have a very special guest and we need to let him have the opportunity to, to speak. Uh, people can hear me every week on the thoughts of Derek. But qu- quickly, you can follow me. On Twitter at Derek Stoughton, S T O U G H T O N. You can also follow me on Instagram at Derek06. And uh, thrilled to be here. All of those analogies are true. I do refer to myself as Lance Catamaran. What a week it's been. So much to talk about, <laughs> and so much we can't talk about. <laughs> like that time that I paid common people to demean me when I had that job up in you. Is that right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, thrilled to be here. Uh, let's let's rock and roll. Also, I am. We are joined today by a man that doesn't have too many monikers in name, but he is worth billions of monikers in the world. This young man is out from the East Coast in the Pennsylvania area, more specifically Philly. Despite my feelings on. Uh, uh, Philly sports in general. He is a good brother of all good brothers. Uh, he is the host of the TBD Wrestling Podcast alongside with referee Tony, the one and only Matt McCool. What is going on, guys? So pumped to be back on the show with both of you. Uh, life is good, hanging down at the beach. The Flyers are back. Sasha Banks is Raw Women's Champion, and I'm ready to have a great time with you guys today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always fun when three of us get on air. I thought I was going to have to not like go through my intro because Derek made me laugh so much. <laughs> I had to like, key my composure, and we're only, like what, two minutes in the show? Yeah, that, that, I'm sure that's going to happen a lot during this episode today. Um, yeah. You know, the best part about the Who's Podcast and uh, TBD um, is the fact that this show, I want everybody to, that's listening or watching this right now on YouTube to understand that, like, we're basically sitting next to you talking about wrestling. This is, a, this is not a sports center style show. Uh, I think the charm of what the show is would not feel the same way if it was so prim and proper. I came out here with a suit and act and talk the, like I'm not like, like I'm something that I'm not, you know, I, I, that's not how I'm wired. I mean, I could do it. I, I went to school. I know how that whole procedure works. Uh, but I think the show always strives on authenticity and comedy and having a non-filter <laughs> um, feel to it at times. And, but at the end of the day, we want to, be an outlet of an escape for you guys, especially with everything going on with the pandemic and just other issues that everybody goes through throughout their daily lives. And if we can make you laugh, if we can give you maybe some better context in the world of professional wrestling that's not just solely based on fucking Brian, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, then I think we're doing our job right. So I want to thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, I'm actually wearing an AEW hoodie right now just to solidify that i'm not just gonna bash aw every single week uh, but we are having our what the hell is wrong with aw segment later on today and matt will partake for the first time in these Can't wait. <laughs> you know josh i've said this before but we're a life podcast that just happens to talk about wrestling every now and yes and that's really what the show is Yes, absolutely. And also, we're going to switch it up a little bit. At the end, we're actually going to be talking about some sports news that are going around the world as well. So 
Uh, sit back, relax, strap it down, as uh, the great Hawk Harrison would say. Uh, shout out to the White Sox. Glad to get back in the win column after a slow start. But uh, nonetheless, um, ready to rock and roll here. Also, we'll get into this week at WWE and all that fun stuff. But first, first and foremost, we need to address the elephant in the room in here. All right? We we need some serious business to be handled here. We know I, I've been fortunate enough to be the moderator of an epic debate, the best debate that ever happened in podcasting, a debate that trumps literally the 2016 political debates that were going on during that time period. Uh, this, this debate that went down originally with Sasha Banks and Charlotte with Matt and Derek is one of the best pieces of audio I've ever been a part of <laughs> in my seven years of broadcasting. Uh, it's a legendary podcast. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I was very, I was a very small part of <laughs> what that debate actually was, but nonetheless, um, we're going to do a little different debate, but more from a comedy point of view. So I'll ask you, those who are watching or listening right now on the Who's podcast, let's know what do you think is more important, video or audio? That's the question of the day for everybody. And we have two different sides of the fence here, and uh, we're going to do this peacefully, and we're also going to do it in the spirit of laughter and just <laughs> having fun with it. So uh, Matt is... Uh, a guy who calls himself the audio boss and brother Carter calls himself the video boss. So we'll take both uh, assertions here and I'll explain why, which one is better than the other. And we'll let you guys decide what is better for you personally. So uh, since Matt is our special guest, tell us why audio is superior than video. Because with video, you can have a video screen. But it's really the audio that captures the essence of the video. That is the bottom line. At the end of the day, like Josh said, I, audio boss, Derek did wrestling rumors warm up, so he was the video boss and we went back and forth. But I just think that, again, you can have an audio podcast and entertain people with your voice. That They used to do that in the 30s, in the 20s. People used to sit around in their stereos and listen to old war movies or wild western movies. But with video, yeah, you can have something on the screen, but you have to have a little bit of audio, too. And that's just the bottom line. <laughs> but, Ricardo, would you like to retort? I would. This is a very compelling very compelling argument, Matt, and I enjoy that. But it's very simple. In order to do video, you have to have both an audio presence and a visual presence. So you have to double you have to do double duty whenever you're the video whenever you're doing video. You have to not only be fantastic in your audio, but you also have to have a great look. You have to make sure that all, that you're all taking care of everything going on, making sure that your face looks pretty, that your outfit looks good, all that kind of good stuff. So you got to listen. You have to do twice as much work to be the video boss. Anybody can get on audio. Oh, I just run, 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 do retakes and all that kind of good stuff. But no, baby, when you're doing video, there ain't no retakes here. Ain't no edits. Ain't no nothing. We do it live when we on camera. It, it's not It's not like Psycho Sid, right? <laughs> are we debating podcasting and video podcasting or are we debating video versus audio? It's two different things. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying with audio, you know, you don't, it's, you know, you can kind of just, Again, it just you you can do it from anywhere, you know. But video, you got to have a fantastic presence. You got to make sure that you know your image looks good. You got to do twice the work. So that means <laughs> <The work. laughs> video from audio because you have to you have to do both audio 
and a visual package to do video. Quick question on the side note. Do you, do you have your director of operations mug with you? Yes. Uh, tremendous. <laughs> Very compelling argument, Derek. And by the way, I did forget, while you're doing that entire rant, I did forget that we used to call you Phil Dunphy, and that was an absolute Phil Dunphy rant, 100%. To the T, yes. <laughs> it like came to me like a lightning bolt. <laughs> also, you can have a video and nobody hears you. Is that something that you worry? Is that out of your control, Brother Carter? Or you um, that's something you have to control on your own end? Hang on just a moment. Let me take let me take a sip from the world's greatest director of operations mug right here. <laughs> uh, brings back so many great memories. <sighs> oh, that's 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 some, yeah, some good high quality H2O. But no, that's what it is. Is good again. I'm up in Colorado right now, man. It's the pure mountain water that just comes right down into the. Oh, you know, it's it's awesome. Oh, pure mountain water. That's right. I'm I'm kind of envious. I'm a water holic, and I'm not partaking it. So. That's right. <laughs> but uh, but you know, yes, you can have silent video. Yes, that's fine. But and that's occasionally true. Sure, but most of the time, when you have audio versus when you have video. You know, you have to do both things. You have to cover both the audio portion and the video portion of it in order to make a fantastic presentation. So just saying. I feel like at the end of the day, you need both. But it was just a fun debate between me and Derek. Audio boss, video boss. You need both. Unless you're going to be a mime, you need both. No, yeah, we're doing this more to uh, lighten the mood for everybody. Um, also, like <laughs> the more nuanced actual debate is Charlotte versus uh, Sasha Banks part two. That's the nuance. That's where we'll. I don't know if we'll get anger out of it like the first one did, but um, <laughs> uh, it, was just, it, uh, it was just a very stressful time. Lots of ups sure. and downs, frustration. From my part, that's why there's a little bit of anger, but it was not like anger at Derek. It was more anger at the situation. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure I have the audio. So when we do this debate, I'll release it on the TBD Wrestling, the first debate. It's absolute gold. Josh, I, was, Josh was an unbelievable moderator. I will point out I did win the debate, but Derek did a great job. As always, he I always does. Like, yeah, but that's, that, that's like biased. This, like that, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm, I'm, hold on. The inquiry sign's going up here for any of those horse racing fans. I'm throwing the inquiry exactly. sign on that one. Because that was a very biased voting. Uh, that was a very oh, biased boy. voting because who voted? <laughs> it was all the fans that had listened to the pipe bomb every single week, and I was only a special guest. So they heard your they, – they had grown an attachment to you. And they had, you know, you know, they had developed a Matt McCool following, and then, you know, this special guest special <laughs> operation comes in, and it's a very, bi- it was a very biased voting pool. So that doesn't sound like the president there. You're awesome, brother Carter. I'm just saying. At the end of the day, it was it was an open forum vote on Twitter. There's you know what I that, was? There's people that watch us both on. The pipe bomb, and you were on, you were the director of operations on the pipe bomb. You were on the show more than almost anybody, besides for Josh, and also I was on Wrestling Wars Warm Up as well. So it was very, very straight lined and fair, and I won. But hey, you might win the next debate. It's okay. You took yeah. the L by a by a smidge, but that's all right. You did a great job. I don't know if you can read the sign, but it says conspiracy victim. 
Oh God! Please! I gotta walk around with a conspiracy victim sign like Jericho did. <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> Wait for the list to come out soon. Let's see that wrong. Yeah, I see that, Matt. <laughs> conspiracy victim right here. All right, wait, quick question. Just random question I have here: uh, left-handed <laughs> or right-handed? Which one are you guys? I'm right-handed. Right-handed. Okay, that makes the streak here. All right, quick. This is I, a- you, Josh. The, the other audio to me. And and the and the the debate audio was awesome. To me, still my favorite moment of all time was when I put B Rob on the list and told him that his honey sucked. That to me is still <laughs> yes. the number one moment in our podcasting history. Was I was like, <laughs> I remember Josh, you were just rolling. Laughing. Was that the same night that I, I think I broke my laptop that night? Yeah. I, I broke my laptop because I was laughing so hard and spilled wine on my laptop. Yeah, and, also, and, so like, and, and and who somebody was saying that they were – it was an indie promotion and they were the TV champion, which someone said they were the champion of all televisions. So basically they were the champion of, of all yes. broadcast wrestling media. Like, it Rob, was a- Rob, Rob, please let us know who the wrestler was. I remember the gimmick. I just forgot what the name was. Please yeah, let us know who it, it was. No, J.J. Blake. The champion of all the televisions. Okay. What's you, Blake? <laughs> is it, was that ROH? What promotion was that? No, it was, uh, I think, Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Last point here on this video and audio debate here. It's a funny current point. Those who are in the know, uh, pop culture-wise, will get what I'm saying. Brooke, Hart, you were just talking about uh, the voters from the debate side from the pipe bomb were attached I think it would be better to be attached than having an entanglement with somebody, okay? <laughs> For those who understand what's going on with Jada Pickensmith and Wilson, they'll get that reference. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't get that at all if I'm being honest. I, either. I missed it, too. <laughs> but, but I'm late to the game on everything pop culture, so I'm not a good... Are they getting a divorce? Is that the deal? I got, I don't know. 2020 is weird. Like we need to justify cheating now in 2020. This year is a fucking crapshoot. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's get into some wrestling, shall we, boys? Um, uh, really quick, I wanted to mention uh, coming up on Saturday, uh, New Japan's continuing their Summer Struggle series, which you check out on NJPW World or uh, ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. Make sure to. Um, one second, real quick. As I take a swig of water, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say, uh, no, no chugs. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like, um, they made this big announcement the other night that uh, their New Japan is actually doing the stadium show in Jinju uh, at the end of August next month. And um, they're doing this thing now where it's kind of like they're introducing a new title, but it's. Some weird rules, like they're implementing like fan voting, different stipulations of matches. Uh, they're doing like a fatal four way tournament type of thing to crown a new champion. It's very odd. I'll give them a chance for doing something out of the box, but um, some new things are coming out the way of New Japan for wrestling. And I'm glad that they're actually the only promotion right now. They're actually having fans on these shows now. Uh, started at Dominion, and they've had like 30% filled people in their audience for the last five shows that I jot down for them. So it's pretty cool to see, and they're doing some good content out there. So go check out the Summer Struggle Show on Saturday. And then here we go. Let's get to 
this week in WWE. We're going to start off this week talking about Friday Night SmackDown. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the bar fight with Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Uh, Jeff Hardy won via a swat top bomb brought to you by Jameson. Uh, the only reason I say that because there was actually Jameson kegs behind Jeff Hardy when he jumped right. off the ladder. And um, shout out to Irish Shannons. That's yes. the name of the bar in downtown Orlando. Um, those were asking me, Josh, how do you know that? You're straight edge. How would you know what the name of a bar is? Well, I actually walked past that building before I'd been in Orlando multiple times and literally two blocks from Iron Shannon's is a place called Harry Buffalo. And, um, I, that's not where I met Matt in person. Matt actually came <laughs> and see me in my hotel room when I was there for WrestleMania, uh, in Orlando. That's how we first met in person. In person. Yeah. Yeah. And then, we, uh, they had the whole NAI meet, meetup thing at Harry Buffalo is literally like a corner away from the Amway Center. So uh, it was really cool to see that building again. And I noticed it right off the bat when they had that MLS Orlando, like I forgot the, the name of their soccer team, but they had the purple flag back there. And I was like, oh, oh, they're in Orlando. That's pretty cool. And um, she, uh, Seamus, Jeff Hardy, they were having a little funny conversation beforehand. <laughs> And um, I love the line. Jeff Hardy's like, my brother had to delete his WWE career. <laughs> That's right. And then, then we got to the straight bolts of the action. I, I thought for what it was, I thought, A, it was a better decision to leave this off the pay-per-view for Extreme Rules. For sure. So you could process it for what it was. And B, I just enjoyed it for what it was, too. I, I enjoyed the fighting. And I know this hasn't been everybody's cup cup of tea. I haven't really been bothered that much by the few because I thought Jeff Hardy addressed that topic on his Chronicle special. So if it was okay with him going with this, then who who's it for us to say, oh, they shouldn't be doing this? You know? It's 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 a little double edged sword. I understand it may not be for everybody, but for what I for what it was, I thought it was pretty good. Matt, what did you think about the bar fight? Yeah, I think in terms of concluding a feud, uh, I think it was a perfect setting. I love, obviously, the Irish Bar in Orlando. Me and Josh walked by. We had a great time at Harry Buffalo's uh, with all the NAI guys. But I really enjoyed the bar fight. I caught the the very end of SmackDown live, and I thought in terms of a bar fight, it did its job. Hardy won with the Swanton Bomb. Uh, I didn't – and then I watched this yesterday. I didn't necessarily like the, hello, I'm Jeff Hardy. I'm an alcoholic. I mean – if he wants to say that, that's fine. I don't know if that's necessarily appropriate for SmackDown Live on Fox on TV. But like you said, if he wants to talk about it, cool. Uh, I loved how Sheamus brought his personal bartender and drank a little bit before. And guys, it also wasn't a ripoff on AEW because they did a very unique Irish Shannon's bar fight. It was not double or nothing. Let's not accuse them of that. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think that going into this feud, I was excited about it because I've never seen a Sheamus and Jeff Hardy feud, and they have very unique competing styles. So uh, I like the match. I like the bar fight. Uh, I just hope that now they kind of go their separate ways. Brett Carter, go ahead. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, everything that Matt, uh, both you guys have said, I agree with 100%. I really enjoy, I really enjoyed the bar fight. I thought it, that it was a really well-done pre-produced match. And I'm glad we got to see a pre-produced match on on a television show and not on a pay-per-view. So I thought that was really cool. I right. agree with you, Josh, that it did not need to be on 
the Extreme Rules Horror Show. I just don't think it would have fit in really well to that card. So it, it would have just kind of, kind of it, not necessarily lost in the shuffle. <clears throat> Excuse me, not necessarily lost in the shuffle, but I think that yeah. it just didn't fit in with the overall vibe that the horror show was going for. So I thought that was great. I also think that they did a wonderful job of silencing what we talked about last week, Josh, when they said, oh, AEW or WWE does not acknowledge anything going on in AEW. It's like, well, no, Jeff acknowledged an AEW performer right yeah. at the, the bar. Is JR and Taz happy now? Wow. <laughs> are, are JR and Taz ever going to be happy? That was ridiculous. I mean, let's. Matt, Matt, I hope you heard that rant that I did on both of them last week. <laughs> I need to take a listen to it. I listened to most of the show last week, but I'm oh. sure. I'm sure it was epic because that clip was ridiculous. It was embarrassing, to be honest yeah. with you. Right, but no. I, but overall, I, I thought the bar fight was very, very well done. And I, and but Matt, I do agree with you when he said the "I'm an alcoholic" thing. Is like, okay, yeah, we get it. We know that's the angle that we're going with. But yeah. I agree with you. Let's. The, Jeff Hardy got his retribution. He got his revenge. Let's just let's move on to other things. Now, I guess the next question is, where do each of them go from here, or or should they do, or should they stay together for a couple more weeks, get through SummerSlam? Because I could see them having one more match. Jeff Hardy vanquishing them once and for all, and then they go their separate ways in the fall. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, you know what, we just brought that up to my. I, I could see a logical third match because Sheamus did win their match at Backlash. And I thought that was also another match that kind of gets tossed to the wayside because everybody's so focused on the storyline aspect. I thought their match at Backlash was really good. I did too. You know, yeah. so Same here. Um, I, if they're going to do one more match, fine. Then they could move on their separate ways. But you brought up a great question and this is something we could do here. What would you do next with Jeff Hardy? Who would you pair him up with? Top of my head, AJ Styles and I, I, because I could yep. see him in an Intercontinental Championship feud with AJ Styles, uh, you know, because it'd be easy. AJ Styles is doing a great job as a heel. It doesn't look like he's. It doesn't look like he is uh, got anything right now, unless he is going to take on Big E at SummerSlam, which we'll get into. Which we can get. Which so I and I could see that happening once he defeats Grand Metal League this week. You know, Kofi gave Big E the blessing for a singles run, so I could see him defeating Big E at SummerSlam, and then maybe Hardy and AJ Styles can have an uh, nice title feud in the fall. It's a bummer that Roman's out of action because I think a yeah. feud with Roman and Jeff Hardy would be pretty cool. But that's my opinion. In terms of Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, I would personally like to see them go their separate ways. But if they did not, I could see maybe Jeff Hardy winning the feud in a TLC match at SummerSlam kind of going back to his roots. Right. Uh, but I'm right with Derek where as soon as – what's next for Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Aaron Connell Championship, even if he doesn't win, it's kind of like the next progression for him to get over his demons, get over Sheamus, and then move on to the IC title. Right. And then – well, I uh, sorry, Josh, because uh, I was going to talk about Sheamus next too because I have some right. thoughts with Sheamus. And I know that a lot of this is going to depend on where we are in the world in the next month, two months – Etc. You know, I've said multiple times on the show, I think Cesaro should go to NXT UK. So I could see Sheamus, once Cesaro and Nakamura lose the tag title, I could see Sheamus turning on Cesaro. Then if they want to keep, and I hope that they make Nakamura a face at some point, but if they want to keep Nakamura as a heel with a tag team, pair him with Sheamus, and then, you know, to keep the international flair going, and then Cesaro goes to NXT UK 
and start kicking ass over there. Because I think I think Cesaro is a perfect fit for NXT UK. Here's the thing. I, I like that idea, Brett Carter. I also could see, just from observing the shows, that maybe Sheamus would get into a feud with Otis, where Sheamus tries to bully Otis out of the Money in the Bank briefcase. Like, something like that. That'd be good. Yeah, I would li- I like that. Yeah. Because we haven't really seen much of Otis recently, which is. Well, <laughs> do, do you think there's no creative for him right now? Which I that find that hard to believe. Or do you think that he might be injured or something? I'm not really sure. And I think the fact that we are recording the show right now on the Thursday, the fact that they're uh, both him and Manny will be back on the show tomorrow, I think will be add some better contact to what's going on. So I am curious to see what they do because the Otis hasn't been around. He hasn't really done much since winning the briefcase. So, um, yeah. If, if they do a Sheamus Otis feud, be a little out of box. Yeah, they'll have some comedy elements, but I think you, it makes sense for having Sheamus be a bully towards Otis and try to get that briefcase away from him. Because Sheamus needs something to go after if he's not going after the IC title, right? So, um, who knows? It's I doubt that Sheamus will go after Braun Strowman just of yet, but um, well, you can't. Ross Roman's so fixated right now with the Fiend, like you can't, you can't implement Sheamus in there right now. So, well, uh, you can't have Sheamus lose his feud with Jeff Hardy and then all of a sudden go for the, a world title. Like that just that doesn't right. make sense. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. We we all know what's happening at SummerSlam with the Universal Championship, though. I mean, Braun's gonna drop to Bray Wyatt. Obviously, he's not going to lose. The Fiend's not going to lose unless so, unless Roman Reigns reappears and screws the Fiend out of the title. Like I don't see the Fiend losing at all. Goddamn heel turn, pal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, really quick, other quick quick, uh, quick takeaways from SmackDown this week. I agree with you, Brett Carter. I enjoyed the Fatal Four Way match where they uh, did a crown a number one contender for the IC title. Um, I think SmackDown should get props for the fact that they are adding more stakes to their matches every single week than just a cold match on television. I uh, have been noticing that over the last couple weeks, so it's cool to see Madeline get a shot. Uh, Chad Gable's awesome. I know a lot of people get upset with calling them Story G. That's why I don't mention it in my transcript. It's just Chad Gable. This, <laughs> it just right. it, it is, you know? Such an insult. He's an Olympian. Right. Uh, but but nonetheless, that, that match was really good. Also, uh, hearing – like, we're getting to a, a crossroads, if you will, pardon the pun, with Nikki Cross and where she's going next. And, you know, I – for initially, I didn't know whether Nikki and Alexa were going to be a good duo. But believe it or not, they've actually been one of the better parts of the show over the past year and a half. And I think they made the best of this run. And if this is something where we get crazy Nikki Cross from NXT and the real Alexa Bliss pops up again, I, not only it's great for them, but it's also great for the SmackDown Women's Division as well. There's conflict going on right there. And Nikki and Alexa had to fight each other thanks to Bailey uh, playing her Teddy Long card. Uh, Teddy Long card. How did, when did she become the general manager of SmackDown? Like. <laughs> I don't know, but um, you know, I, man, we gotta figure out who would be a good general manager for SmackDown. That would be a two questions. The, even though they dropped the gimmick, the hacker, like they did with the anonymous general manager. <laughs> I'm not that, 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 that GM anymore. Just be like you could 
just like kind of Stephanie did the whole uh, Asuka and Sasha thing, just appeared on the screen like William Regal does in NXT. You can have an authority figure, but not an authority figure that takes over the show. Because we saw that for like way too long. Yeah. yeah. Hold up. They dropped the hacker? As far as I've been t- – as uh, what I've been reading on the Sheets of Dirt, um, they're oh, they're – they're just dropping the hacker gimmick altogether. And it was supposed to be Mustafa Ali, right? That's what I thought. And Josh, well, Josh, he had a different opinion on who he thought it was going to be. Yes. Damn. Shane Meek Mahan. <laughs> um, I actually like that idea, but um, I think, but from what I understand and what I've read, they've, they're, they're dropping the hacker, the hacker gimmick and just, uh, you know, moving on from that. To your point about Alexa and Nikki Cross, I want to comment on that really quick. When they were put together, I thought they'd be together for like a month and then Alexa would turn on her to kind of bring her up to the main roster. But she did the whole coffee thing, which is really funny. They have a very funny back and forth comedy wise. Uh, But there's going to be a top baby face on SmackDown pretty soon. That's going to need some heels to challenge her. So, it would make a lot of sense. I would think that Alexa would turn on Nikki. Yes. But like if but are you gonna do that when you're gonna do Sasha and Bailey soon? Like are you gonna I don't know how you could do both at once. You also just did that with Sonya and Mandy Rhodes as well. Yes. Well and let's I, and I wanna piggyback off that because those are the two to me, those are the two wild cards in this whole thing is Sonya Deville and Mandy Rhodes. We haven't really seen them much but to me i think they're two of the most talented women not just in smackdown but on all of wwe especially sonya deville she is the total package and what you know i just can't figure out why she hasn't gotten more tea unless they're just saving her for like they did with Shayna baszler well it's well, been idea with her and mandy for a while too right sure also we have to understand folks everybody that we're just coming off the heels of a show called extreme rules this show was nothing more than a pit stop show that's all it was it wasn't something continuing on to SummerSlam. this is not something where feuds are ending and new feuds are starting like it's not like coming out of a big four show so yeah you understand why those talents are off tv for that amount of time but really quick Yay or nay on uh, Matt Riddle and King Corbin? Because I think this is actually a good start for Matt Riddle. And King Corbin's underrated for what he does in the ring. And I'm curious to see how these two play off with each other. So, Derek, go ahead. I was just going to say, absolutely. I mean, I think I love Matt Riddle. I've, I've said this on the show before, and Josh, you and I have talked about this. Matt Riddle has superstar written all over him. He is absolutely fantastic in the ring on the mic i love his gimmick i love his entrance music uh, <laughs> it's just a swag entrance music i love it so matt riddle's got superstar written all over him and we know how good matt yeah yeah and we know how good uh king corbin is he's just he can do anything so i i love it um one thing i did want to mention real quick uh, both a positive and a negative was i was happy to see tony meese on smackdown this week the yeah. athlete but i was i was hoping he would get more time you know, it was just basically a squash match to match to Matt Riddle, which I didn't like because I, I think if you give him time, Matt Riddle and Tony could have had a great match. That'd probably be a longer match if it was on Raw, probably. Yeah, true. Um, true, because they have more time to fill. But, but by the way, later on in the show, by the way, later on the show, there was a couple of comments that I saw from Ember Moon the other day about what's going on with Sasha and Bailey, which uh, we'll probably talk about later. I, by the way, I kind of, I fully and one hundred percent disagree what she put out there the other day and it's kind of an issue where a lot of wrestlers today are so fixated on what's said on Twitter and uh, Meltzer yeah. and Alvarez and it just permeates through what she said and it's not only that 
it, she came off with that vibe when her multiple appearances on backstage and Matt knows yeah. for watching the show as well. So we'll get into that later on. Um, in terms I, of Corbin I, and Matt Riddle, uh, ahead, Matt. really quick, uh, mm-hmm. I think Corbin's a perfect foil for Matt Riddle. Even though I think a lot of fans got soured, have been soured by Corbin, he is good at what he does. But for him and Roman to feud for like six months, people hated that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was it was a very dry feud. But I love Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle 420. Uh, the guy is hilarious. <laughs> he has so much charisma. Uh, he's a great athlete. You know, He's a crossover MMA guy. I just am all here for and cannot wait. And I don't care what anyone says. I can't wait for Matt Riddle versus Goldberg or Matt Riddle versus Brock Lesnar because of just the interaction. Like, the, I don't know if you guys have obviously seen the clip of Matt Riddle going, yeah, like, what's up, bro? I'm not your bro. Okay, bro. Like, and then after that happened at SummerSlam, they played on WWE 24 and the interaction was even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how long it takes for Matt Riddle call King Corbin Burger King again? Oh, we'll take one. <laughs> this week. Burger King, bro. You get the King <laughs> Burgers, bro. No, what are you going to give me? You going to give me a Whopper, bro? <laughs> I love it. I love Matt Riddle, man. He's. I hope he becomes world champion someday because I think he, he could totally do it. He's great. Yeah. He definitely right. will. Let's uh, transition to Monday Night Raw from this past Monday night. Before we get to specific parts, just overall, because Raw is usually the longer show. I told um, Tony this yesterday. It takes me about two and a half hours to write out a Raw transcript, where as opposed to if I was just watching it without commercials, it would probably be 90 minutes. But it takes two and a half hours to jot down a three-hour show from a writing point of view. But overall, this from Southern, what did you guys think about Raw? What you liked, what you didn't like? We'll start off with Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think that recently the ratings for Raw have gone down, and we all talk about ratings a lot. I, I think it just it's tough for WWE in between this like extreme rules, Money in the Bank, June, July timeline. Um, I really, obviously, we all expected Randy Orton to challenge Drew McIntyre. His promo was great. Um, the ending of the show was great with Randy Orton kind of standing tall. Um, and I really, really did like Sasha and Asuka. I don't want to get fully into it right now. I know we will, but I really, really enjoyed Sasha and Asuka. Uh, I, I liked how they booked the end of the match. I thought it, it put a lot of heat on Sasha and Bailey. Uh, and as a viewer, even as someone that is a fan of Sasha Banks, um, I was happy for her to win in the way that she did. It right. makes me want to see Asuka beat the crap out of Sasha and Bailey, which she will get her revenge in some way. Right. And also echoing what Derek has said, like, I also love Carrie Sane, uh, and it's too bad she wasn't world women's champion. It wasn't the timing wasn't right, but in, somebody said this on Twitter. People were complaining, like, "Oh yeah, like she was underutilized, blah blah." But I mean, in terms of her career, there's not many women that can say that all the things that she's done, winning the Mae Young Classic, NXT Women's Champion, Women's Tag Team Champion. There's only one thing left for her to win, and who knows if she's going to be back at some point um, after she kind of spent some time with her husband and her family in Japan. I mean, no one re- will ever really understand that sacrifice, moving literally across the world, away from all your family in a country where you don't speak the same language and being able to flourish and succeed professionally. I give her a lot of credit, and um, everything I heard about her personally is that she's – so warm backstage, and I'm going to miss her for sure. Burger, go ahead. Yeah, man. I mean, you guys know how much I love Kyrie Sane. I've, I've thought she was just an exceptional talent. 
ever since I saw first saw her in the May Young Classic in 2017. And I mean, like Matt, you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, she clearly WWE sees a lot in her because they made her the inaugural May Young Classic winner. Like that's a pretty big deal. Say that we think that you have potential. You ha- you could be the future of our company. And then had a great run in NXT. Became NXT Women's Champion when she got to the main roster. Got to win the NXT Tag Titles with Asuka. I didn't like that pairing at first, but it grew on me as time went on. And uh, Kyrie Sane played a great heel. She played a great face. I, it, you can't fault her for wanting to go back and be with her husband, be with her family. I thousand percent get it. I hope that, you know, and and everything I've read and everything I've seen, the door is wide open for WWE return. All she has to do is say, I'm ready to come back. We're going to move to the States, whatever, you know, and we're going to do this. So I I really hope this is not the last of Kyrie saying that we see. Um, I can see her wrestling in New Japan for a little while, wrestling in the Japanese circuits, just so she can keep her, her juices going so she can keep her, you know, not get any ring rust, as they say. But uh, I, I'm a huge Kyrie Safe fan, and I'm going to miss her very much. Really quick for me, um, I, I really enjoy covering and documenting Kyrie Sane's journey from NXT, not even that, the main classic to start off to where she got. And here's the thing, like, Matt, you're mentioning something like, oh, she didn't get enough of a push. She didn't have enough accolades or whatever. I think for people, if they actually – did some research as opposed to just what they see week to week television. Kyrie Sane did a lot in a short time to win the Mae Young Classic, to become an NXT champion, multiple time women's tag team champion. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they just put anybody in the first match of a WrestleMania. Think about it. The first match of WrestleMania this year was the Kabuki Warriors against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. In the oddest WrestleMania, think of how much pressure you got to be in that position and how much trust the company has for you to put you in that in the first place. I, I, I don't think that's something to scoff at, to be honest with you. So to say that Kari Sane didn't accomplish enough, I think that's kind of ludicrous. Would I like to see her as a SmackDown or Raw Women's Champion? Absolutely. But I enjoyed what she did in the ring. You know what was unfortunate about the whole thing? Like, Asuka and Sasha had – awesome match on Monday, right? Yeah. I thought I thought that match was better than the Extreme Rules match, just from a match layout point of view. But that match was so good. Putting the fish to the side for a minute, what's unfortunate was that a couple minutes later, Kyrie tweeted out that after the beatdown, and it kind of simmers down the beatdown that Bailey gave her at that moment. Um, timing is very important in professional wrestling, and it's not something that I'm going to pop a blood vest over because, you know, Kyrie was saying thank you and thank you to the fans for the support. I understand where she was coming from. It could have come from better. Could have come at a worse timing because you you got your ass kicked in the backstage and three minutes later you're uh, saying goodbye to everybody. But also here's the thing: people forget the show was taped right. uh, a couple weeks ago. This wasn't something that was taped uh, earlier on Monday, and that's what it was. But um. You know, I want to thank Kyrie for what she did. Um, does that hurt what happened with Oscar Sasha Bailey feud? I don't know. That's up to you. To I think that's kind of subjective, you know. Um, but I, 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 again, it here's the thing. Like, I wonder 
what would really happen if Shayna Baszler wasn't just put off the TV after Money in the Bank? You know, like we're in this scenario, and I'm glad we have Matt here so we could get into this. Like, there's a reason why Sasha and Bailey are on every show every single week. I, it's right staring in front of your face. It's in metrics. It's in merchandise sales and all the stuff they. I think they won a couple of bumpy awards <laughs> the other they day. Did, they did that. That whole thing was so yeah. funny. But here's the thing: I, I wonder what direction both these uh, women's divisions would be if Shayna Baszler was actually the one to go immediately after Oscar when Becky gave her that title. Like, why was Baszler off of television just to bring Nia Jackson? <laughs> you know, it's Jr. Uh, had to say, "No." On uh, Monday, she was like, Naya, I don't care. Who's, who's playing that music? Uh, that, that, that's a Seattle City staple. Every day at 12 o'clock, they have this little like thing that goes throughout the whole entire town. I, I heard the church bells, and I was looking at the clock. I was like, oh, crap. It's gonna I was like, I bet, I bet that's a – I was going to say, I bet that was a, a – a, 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 a tower or something like that. It's going not on. like a tornado one or anything. I'm not right. in danger, like – but yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, Shane Baszler is like, Naya, nobody gives a damn what you had to say. <laughs> uh, so, like, overall, like, I, I'm just curious. Like, like now we're getting to this weird window where we got, we're probably gonna have to bring Oscar to SmackDown tomorrow night to respond to this. I've had my thoughts on the Bailey Sasha stuff more of an, a slight on Bailey than it is on the Sasha Banks point of view. Um, I do not think they need all the women's tag titles, but here we are. You have the picture frame. You you could buy it on auction sooner or later. <laughs> They'll put it up on WWE shops, something like that. Um, Sasha is the Raw Women's Champion now, but where do we go from here? And do you really need Asuka to bridge into Sasha and Bailey's uh, feud? I don't know. Go ahead, Brock. Well, okay, so you know, and I've been thinking about this too. So there's two main points that I uh, that I want to take about this. And Matt, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this as somebody who, you know, I, I know how much you appreciate women's wrestling. And, and we, I, mean, I know we all do, but you specifically have, have had shows dedicated to just women's wrestling. So, you know, and I want, I want to get your thoughts on this. So two things. Number one, I think we're going to get a fatal four-way at SummerSlam with um, Asuka, Sasha, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler. It's a safe way if, if they're going to end up taking the – and I don't know what's going to happen if they're going to take the title off Sasha um, because that actually leads into my second point, which uh, – but I think it, it, that it's an easy – it's a safe way to take the title off Sasha. She can say that she was never pinned, never lost her title. If they want to do it that way, if, if they want to – if Bailey accidentally causes some friction because, you know, she tries to help Sasha cheat and it doesn't work – and then, you know, Nia Jax pins or whoever pins someone not Sasha to win the Raw Women's Championship. There's a bunch of different stories you can go. So that's what I think is going to happen uh, getting into SummerSlam. And then number two, and this is – I don't know if I have a problem with this because uh, it could be that they're just doing the short term to get us to SummerSlam. A SmackDown superstar is the Raw Women's Champion. So what does that say about the Raw Women's Division? Are, does that say that we as a company don't believe that we have anybody? And that makes no sense to me because you've got Oscar, you've got Shayna Baszler, you've got ho- hopefully when Charlotte comes back, you know, you've got her, you've got um, some, you know, some upper, up, up and coming talent as well. But it's just, I guess it. it 
I, I, I'm guessing they're just doing it for storyline purposes. But again, what does it say that a SmackDown superstar is the Raw Women's Champion? You know, that just is kind of like, is that a shot at the roster? Is it just because we're doing it for storyline purposes? I don't know. So that's what I think is going to happen going forward. But Matt, yeah. Matt, try to reel us back in here. Like, okay. Let us know what's going on here. Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot to say, obviously. I think to answer Derek's question, this has more to do with Sasha and Bailey. Obviously, this has been the summer of Sasha and Bailey, and I think that at a certain point, it was supposed to be Bailey versus Sasha at SummerSlam. This feud has, has been supposed to happen for three, four years, depending on what timing. But after WrestleMania 36, Bailey held up the title, and Sasha was on the ramp, and she gave her a look. And they've been the nuances in this feud has been unbelievable. Um, I'll start with the match in general. I thought the match was old school. The psychology with Sasha working the leg. Guys, she's not going to be healed very much longer. And I think with her doing the Eddie Guerrero thing, trying to leave the ring was great. Uh, and her and Asuka have unbelievable chemistry. In terms of like where we're going, I'm not really sure. I love that idea, Derek. Uh, I think that the idea that was first me by King was – Oscar versus Sasha versus Bailey for all the gold. Uh, it just depends on what you want to do. I don't think that Sasha is going to be pinned uh, at all. I could see Bailey costing Sasha that title and Sasha flipping, but I more could see Bailey getting jealous of Sasha for having both titles or for getting a one up on her and Bailey turning heel. Then Sasha's not going to turn heel. Obviously, she's going to turn face. Um, I think there's a lot of people on the internet that are upset about it, but at the end of the day, like. They're heels. They're, you're supposed to be upset about it. And I don't think the company would have done this and gone this direction in SummerSlam if the numbers, the metrics, and the interest was not there. I think this is just more to kind of compare it back to Stone Cold and Triple H. They're, they're making history. The first woman to ever do this. Sasha's made history, the five-time Raw Women's Champion. Um, I was asked this question and thought to myself before she won this, like, okay, if she wins the Raw Women's Championship, is that going to cheapen the moment when she beats Bailey? I was kind of like iffy about it, but the way that she won and not pinning Asuka, it was via count out, was definitely a way to protect Asuka. So Asuka still looks like she's going to save her friend. She's not hurt at all. Asuka, Sasha tapped out to Asuka at Extreme Rules, but they, the ref didn't see it. So I think the way they booked this has positioned Asuka to be the main face here and Sasha and Bailey to obviously be the heels in terms of who challenges. I'm not really sure. I don't really, I can't really see Bailey being challenged by Lacey Evans, by Nikki Cross, by Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. I could see more of a match where it's like for all the gold and a main event or Derek's idea that it's the Raw Women's Championship and Bailey just kind of gets involved in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I hmm, don't be surprised if there's a chance that Nikki Cross costs Bailey her SmackDown Women's title tomorrow night. Like, you could have the three-way with Bailey, Sasha, and Asuka for the Raw Women's title. You can have Alexa and Nikki for SmackDown, and then you can have Shayna and Nia. If if they're going to stretch that out to something, I don't believe they're stretching that out to something, to be honest with you. But um, either way, we can figure that out along the way. But um, here's the thing. Um, Let's let's get, let's move on to the other parts of the show that stood out really quick. Uh, Love the triple threat tag match. Another match that had a stipulation where whoever won that match was going to take on the Street Profits at SummerSlam. Now we're actually getting the WrestleMania match we're supposed to get because Austin Theory replaced Andrade because I think he either got injured or uh, got the 
the drug test uh, thing at that time. That's why he was off WrestleMania. So now we're actually getting the street profits against Angel Garza and Andrade. That should be a fun match. Other things that stood out on the show really quick. Uh, let's get into uh, Seth Rollins' segment with uh, Dominic. Dominic came down to the front center to confront Seth Rollins following uh, what's going on with Rey Mysterio in the eye for eye match. Uh, I love everything that Seth Rollins is doing right now. His promo work gets better each and every single week. And it's, I like getting challenged in a certain light where I'm trying to dictate and point out the dialogue in a proper way that I'm doing it justice. Because sometimes with wrestling promos, there's there's tones, there's inflections, there's pauses where I, I had to write it down in the sentence, right? I'm literally transcribing the dialogue. But there's pauses where I'm not sure if I have to put a comma beforehand. You know, like it, it's, it's a little different. Um, but like Seth Rollins, what he does on the mic and the story he's been telling during this entire feed with Rey Mysterio, it's been awesome. Uh, he, he's continuing saying that I don't want to be the person to hurt people. I'm doing this for the great good. You guys don't understand the issues that I'm going through internally uh, to why I'm doing this. You know, Dominic firing up at the end with the Kendo six shots was great on him and Murphy. Uh, Rollins slapped Murphy in the face. I don't know if that's something where they're going to have their uh, feud later down the road. I think that'd be awesome if Rollins has a match with Buddy Murphy because I think bell to bell, Buddy Murphy is one of the best in-ring wrestlers that WWE has and can do, can do just as much the same moves as Kenny Omega does. And um, it was cool to see Buddy Murphy have his own singles match, by the way, on the show. You know, it wasn't anything consequential. I mean, he fought Roberto Carrillo's. It was a good match, but still, you're adding a different layers to not only just Seth Rollins and Dominic, but you also have a little tension there. If Is, is Rollins too overbearing? On Buddy Murphy, he starts jamming Alistair Black's face. He's giving him the ring step treatment, right? Uh, I'm curious to see where this goes. I saw some people say, "Oh, maybe you do Alistair and Dominic against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy at SummerSlam in a tag match." Um, I would not be opposed if they actually did Seth Rollins versus Dominic at SummerSlam or Seth Rollins against Alistair Black. Either way, I like what they're doing right now. I know. The whole eye for an eye thing is a little bit much out there. But just from the storyline aspect, these guys are killing it right now. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was I was really skeptical, to be honest, uh, once this feud started. I've never been, like, the biggest fan of Rey Mysterio, the character. I love Rey, the wrestler. He's an unbelievable worker, one of the best luchadors of all time. Definitely surefire Hall of Famer. But I wasn't necessarily sure. I agree with you 100%, Josh, that... Seth Rollins is doing his best promo work of his entire career. Uh, I love how his character is really just playing off of like Twitter and the hate that he got for losing to the fiend. And you guys did this to me. I thought that was great. At the end of the day, I think the only thing we could do at SummerSlam is Dominic and Alistair black versus Seth and buddy Murphy. We already had Seth versus Alistair on raw. So I don't think that's a SummerSlam match. Uh, I just think it's, Absolutely hilarious that Dominic is going to make his in-ring debut at Flippin' SummerSlam. After all these years with Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> I'm your poppy. It's so ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he obviously did a great job with Seth because Seth tweeted about Raw and should put a picture of his back, and his back was screwed up after those Kendo six shots, man. Yeah. Burkhardt, you were busy on Monday night. What was your takeaways from what you saw from that segment? Yeah, I, I mean, I got a chance to check it out. But, uh, 
I actually hadn't thought about that tag team match idea, but I really like that idea. Uh, Seth Rollins and Dominic versus, uh, uh, um, um, sorry, no, Alistair Black and, and uh, sorry, I'm getting on my yeah, Alistair Black and Dominic. Versus <laughs> Murphy. Sorry, get all my characters mixed up. No, I love that idea. I think that that's a great. It's a safe way because yes. we really, we've never really seen Dominic in the ring, so we don't, you know, in a match. So we don't know his ability. We don't know what exactly he can do. I think that's a very safe way to give him limited time if they need to, or if he ends up kicking ass, you know, they can give him a few spots here and there and it becomes, and it is like, and people will go, Oh dang. Okay. This kid's got some talent. I like it. You know, he's and really been training and he's, well, yeah, he's going to be a performer. Like for yeah, sure. no question. Yeah. No question that he's been training and he's going to, he's going to be involved in the wrestling business somehow. But but no, I really like that tag team idea. I think it's a very safe, very safe way to do things. And then if you want to eventually, well, no, because I, I still think at some point Dominic is going to turn and is going to join Seth Rollins' stable. But he has to do that on his father. He can't do it on, you know, just one of his. You know, <sighs> that would be so epic. Oh, my gosh, considering <laughs> the past. But wait, guys, according to Booker T, uh, Dominic needs to lose some baby fat. Oh, God. Booker, yeah. needs, Booker needs a break from radio and just talking in right. general. Yeah. But, um, but uh, Josh, just laugh. My last point is, and, and yeah. we talked about this before. I, I agree with you 100. Seth Rollins' work right now as the Monday Night Messiah is unbelievable. His promos are outstanding. He is there. There's a reason why he's the one of the faces of Raw and has been for a long time. I love it. I was telling the boys about this before we came on air today. Like Seth Rollins is bringing a new layer of heel work that hasn't been really tapped into in a while. Like so many times you have a heel and I, I love MGF. MGF is a traditional heel, but he's also a heel that just talk about how you look and the crowd. And he has those old school heel tags and there's nothing wrong with that, with that type of heel. But when you could be a good character heel, like a Jake, the snake Roberts in the past or a Kane or along the list, uh, triple H, was a great heel. Best heel no. of all time. Uh, there, there, the list goes on and on, but Seth Rollins is doing, like massive the best mic work of his career. And um, last thing here on Raw, I wanted to mention here uh, really quick before we get to the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre match at SummerSlam. Uh, Matt, what do you think about the Hurt Business? Because me, uh, I love me some v- MVP, and big things are popping, and little things are stopping. You know, it's one of those things in wrestling when a gimmick really surprises you. When MVP debuted at the Rumble, I heard he was supposed to just be a producer, and I kind of got disappointed. And then he kept coming back on TV for the VIP Lounge, and I absolutely positively love this. It's one of my favorite parts of WWE programming that I watched today. Uh, MVP is crushing it on the mic. I love how he's walking around with the U.S. title, proclaiming he's US t- the U.S. champion. Yeah. Uh, I think he was the perfect person to debut that title. I love the title. I think it's great. The old school title was okay for a little bit, but this is needed to redesign for a couple years. Uh, Paul Cruz has been killing it with his work. I'm not sure where he is right now. I think that Bobby and Sheldon are perfect fits for the Hurt Business. And this is the best Bobby Lashley that I've ever seen in any wrestling promotion in WWE and ECW, WWE. Uh, I just hope that at some point he gets the level where he is world champion. And a part of me was like rooting for him a little bit when he was facing Drew McIntyre because 
with the full Nelson, Chris Masters style thing. He's athletic. This is the Bobby Lashley that I want to see. I don't want to see Bobby Lashley in some dumb marriage storyline that we all know is fake. Right. Uh, he did the best he could with it. So did Rusev. You know, but nobody can get that over. Exactly. I love the Hurt Business, and I'm looking forward to seeing how their faction is going to develop moving forward. You know, really quick, like what I like about what Lashley's doing right now is that he's bringing back a sense of credibility where you have that one finisher and that's it. Yeah. Like you have so many of these promotions that are so based on counter wrestling and 12, Kenny Mago do 12 one winged angels on stunted growth. Like you have all these different things where you don't have characters that just have that one definitive finish, like Randy Orton or the list goes on and on. Everything's so based on kickouts and, that's why I appreciate Bobby Lash because literally, like he locks, uh, he locks in that full Nelson. You're done. I remember, like Ricochet. I love Ricochet, but literally, you really think you're gonna win by doing a handspring and you're not gonna get caught into a, a full Nelson? That's just a dumb spot to do, you know. But um, you know what's not really being touched on with this? Yes, MVP's parading around as the United States champion. But what if it's just a foil to lead Apollo into his feud with Bobby Lashley? Like, Hmm. Apollo's not fighting MVP. He's fighting Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley does MVP's dirty work. MVP could talk. He could pretend he's the United States champion. But when it comes to the match, he turns the tables on Cruz, and Bobby Lashley is the guy he has to go through. I think that's definitely the match. Yes. No, I like all that stuff. Uh, and I talked about this last week. I love what the Hurt Business is doing. It's That's just kind of a stable that's kind of just emerged out of nowhere. And yes. it's been absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. It's been great. And, uh, and Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this because I said this last week. I think the only thing that's missing is what Evolution did when they brought in a young guy yes. to help to, to train up the next generation. So I think that's the only thing that the Hurt Business right now is missing is some younger talent that they need to – elevate whether it's cedric alexander ricochet apollo cruz it's gonna be one of the two it's either said or ricochet i would have i would think said that's who i think too ricochet's got more superstar baby face potential like it just just based on his moveset cedric alexander is an amazing wrestler very similar but like no one in the world is ricochet Mm. right i think it's cedric alexander too but um unless they do apollo cruz because i mean i could we've never really seen apollo cruz as a heel Never. We've never really seen Apollo never. Cruz as a character. We, they, he's doing a great job as a babyface right now. Right. And I love it. We we talked about that last week about yeah. like, well, this is a whole big ruse and Cruz has always been a part of MVP's faction and we don't know about it. You know, and and, 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 and and he was injured. I mean, we know he's really injured, but they could say, "Oh, you really think I was injured?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all a play. All right. Uh, last thing here on Raw, we'll talk about here. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre is official from SummerSlam for the WWE title. Randy Orton started off the show with another good promo where he calls out Drew McIntyre for um, uh match at SummerSlam. Drew McIntyre accepts. Uh, Drew had a pretty solid Extreme Rules match with Dolph Ziggler to close off Raw on Monday night. Uh, but Randy Orton did drop him with the RKO at the end. Um Man, big opportunity again for Drew in a match that's going to get a lot more time than this match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania at SummerSlam. Probably, literally, the biggest match of Drew McIntyre's career is coming up uh, at SummerSlam this year against Randy Orton, who, in my opinion, character-wise, 
maybe outside of um, I have to think about that later on. But like, there's like a list of characters, like maybe four or five wrestlers right now that have been doing the best work in quarantine. Believe it or not, folks, Sasha Banks is in my top three. <laughs> as much crap I talk about this saga, my issue is on the Bailey side than it is Sasha Banks. So, uh, uh, I, for me, from the male side, Randy Orton's been the MVP of this quarantine era of wrestling right now. Um, so, what, what do you guys think? Do you think this is the right pairing for SummerSlam? What, what are you guys' thoughts on Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam? I think that Randy Orton is the best heel in wrestling right now, and I don't think it's even close. I don't yeah. think he's make an argument for anyone else on the same planet. Uh, he's doing the best, the best Randy Orton work I've, I personally ever seen in ring promo wise. Uh, I think this was like a next logical step for Drew McIntyre and for Randy Orton. Obviously, we're supposed to see Brock and Drew in a rematch, Edge and Randy Orton. That didn't necessarily happen in terms of who wins. Look, I wouldn't be shocked to see Randy Orton beat Drew McIntyre. Uh, I go back and forth about it. Does Edge win the Rumble? And that's the WrestleMania main event. There's rumors about that. But I'm more on the wavelength. I think that Edge shows up at SummerSlam, doesn't get physical at all. He just comes out, distracts Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Claymore, that's it. And Edge kind of plays mind games with Randy Orton moving into the fall. And there's one guy, I think, that could kind of, quote-unquote, represent Edge, his fellow Canadian brother, Kevin Owens. Uh, so I think that's a logical thing moving into the fall. But I'm excited for the, their match at SummerSlam. I think it's very, very – and this often does not happen in WWE when it comes to their big shows. I think this is the perfect top heel versus top face just kind of colliding, and there's no forcement of it at all. Claymore versus the RKO. Go yeah. ahead, Brother Carter. What do you, no, what do you I just, think? I, I, you know, I don't have much to add to that because Matt, you hit the nail on the head on everything. I, I love this pairing. This, this is needs to be the pairing, and this match needs to close. Roman, this match needs to close SummerSlam, and they need to give them, if they can, thirty to forty minutes because they could absolutely have a classic, and I think it could be absolutely incredible. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they added a stipulation to it, like a no, so that like a no count out or something like that. So they could just let them do what they're going to do or that the referees kind of turn a blind eye to a, a cup, not, not AEW level turn a blind eye, but yeah, a, a couple <laughs> here or there just to let them, let them go and have their time. Yeah. I think I, I like the idea of edge coming back. I think somehow Drew McIntyre gets the win because I, I really want Drew McIntyre to have his moment in front of people. But again, you know, can you do it? Because we just, again, we just don't know. You know, we just get new information about the coronavirus every week. And right. so we just we just don't know. I mean, WWE, I'm sure, has to change their, well, Matt, you brought it up. WWE has to change their plans probably weekly when it comes to how we're going to evolve these stories and stuff like that. But I, I, I think this match is going to close the show. I think it can it could potentially steal the show. And I, I think it has the potential to be one of the top matches of all of 2020. I love it. Well, they're actually, on your point, Derek, they're actually looking to do SummerSlam on a beach or on I a boat. And Vince has been looking apparently since June, and they're, like, looking at Rhode Island and Connecticut and maybe places <laughs> up on the East Coast. Like, I I always, like, when this whole pandemic started, I'm pretty sure well, – I went on with Josh the first time um, in early March in a while. I, I think that I thought in my mind – 
SummerSlam is going to be in front of fans or it's not going to be at the PC. It's SummerSlam. I don't care if SummerSlam is in the middle of an empty citrus bowl or in some rich guy's house in Orlando just with a ring and some fans that all get tested with coronavirus and being on a beach or being outside. It'd be such a cool aesthetic. I'll go. uh, Yeah, I would fly down there and try and get a ticket. I'm always on the wavelength that the first show that happens, the first major show, I will absolutely be there. What if oh, I, I really like that idea because I know they're t- they're toying around with ideas and stuff like that. SummerSlam on the beach? Are you kidding me? You could get some fans in there again, test them all, make sure everybody is is groovy. They have to you know if they want to go, maybe they have to submit medical records or proof that they've been tested or whatever. But um, you you know you you wouldn't even probably have to sell tickets to that event. You could just say you know just come on, we'll give you some free swag or whatever. But we just need fans yeah. there. That they have plexiglass too, and they can like block yeah. off the backstage where like the rest aren't in danger. You have to wear a mask six feet. They have all the markings. Like I just find it hard to believe that Vince is not going to literally jump as soon as the first football game happens because there will be fans in some NFL stadiums. I'm not sure how many. I don't know when, but it's pretty obvious that the NFL is going to proceed with ten to twenty to thirty thousand people in a game just to try and get some of that revenue. So as soon as the first sport in the United States, I believe it'll be football as fans, you know, Vince is going to uproot all the stuff for the PC and they'll be out that next day. I like true. really quick. Like once the pandemic ends, like you could literally every arena you're in doesn't matter what show is have plexiglass on the, on the rampway and around the ringside area. E- even after the virus is gone, I just think I like that. Look, I, you know, props to whoever the production people is for WWE. They don't get enough credit. I think the the way they set up the plexiglass in the stage, I just think it looks cool with the stage that they have. It looks pretty sweet. I like it too. It kind of creates, you know, we always joke about this, but it looks like a hockey rink, you know, and it's in yeah. physical with them and it will prevent fans from jumping the railing. Well, yeah. it, it will at least alleviate that. Yeah, really, really – one last thing uh, as we finish up Raw here. Uh, Matt, you said uh, Edge should come out and distract Randy Orton. Randy Orton, Edge, hell in a cell. <laughs> oh, oh, that'll definitely happen. I mean, so hell in a cell is usually, I think, mid-October, which would mean that would be four and a half-ish months since Edge tore his tricep. So, like, it's doable. Uh I don't know. I, I hope Edge is back sooner around later, but I would hate for him to come back, rush again, and get hurt again because I just want to see Edge on my TV screen every single month because we haven't seen it in 10 years. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read a piece of quotes here, and I'll tell you who it is once I've done reading this. This is transition to our next part of the podcast. So, Matt, uh, strap down. Uh, hopefully you don't jump off wherever uh, – <laughs> Porch or patio you're on right now. Um, All right, here we go. Why do we need two double champions? Is something going to be like low key evolution with Sasha and Bailey wrestling for the single titles and also for the tag titles? Is that a thing? Are we just reliving Triple H and Steve Austin two man power trip from 2001? Sasha and Bailey have done a great job with a limited roster, but there are too many people sitting at home to tie up all the titles with two people. I was kind of upset the match was superb. I don't like the fact that knowing it was Kyrie's last appearance, uh, right here it says um, last appearance. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if that's the way to go. I feel 
you make it more of a threat than just Kyrie getting beat up backstage. I think you have Bailey beat up Kyrie, then have her with a fork with about to drop some cinder blocks. Asuka had Sasha in the Oscar lock. All she had to do was sit back. It makes more it makes more sense for her. Uh, what well, she didn't even said this right. <laughs> uh, it makes more sense if Kyrie is in a more of a life or death situation versus her getting thrown into stuff and stomp. I get we're supposed to be angry and kudos to them for making us angry. No one wanted Asuka to lose. Everyone wanted NXT Asuka back and having an undefeated streak. That's what WWE does. I fell for the ploy of I'm angry because I saw my friend Asuka lose the title in a crappy way. Are we going to have Sasha just lose the title to Lacey Alvins or transfer Naomi over? Um, they're building the Star Slam, right? I'm glad you pay attention to the product, even though you're hired by the company. By the way, as a fan, I, I feel like I got ripped because once again, I don't get Bailey versus Sasha. Mark, let me ask you a question: Is this a professional wrestler or a dirt sheet writer or podcast host? This is like she sounds like a Mark. Honestly, I think it's, it sounds like a wrestler. Honestly, if I had to make a guess. You know I, know, I know, I know who this is, and she does I, sound like I, I, don't, I don't know who this is, ladies and gentlemen. That is Ember Moon, who's been sitting at home, unfortunately with the injury. I hope she recovers soon. Yeah, uh, she had a serious injury, and she's a great in-ring talent. My the reason I'm bringing us because this is not the first time I know something about this from her. I am a frequent watcher of backstage, uh, the show that was on FS1, and Matt is as well. He's watched a lot of the backstage episodes. I didn't know that. You know, I would not be surprised if she's one of the talents that Stooges things out to the Sean Ross Saps of the world or Meltzer Alvarez. How much of a mark comes off of what I just read right there? It's brutal. <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. Um, okay, so it's life or death. She said that it would be better and more attitudes for Kyrie to be in a life or death situation, right? Wasn't Kyrie screaming out for Asuka like it was life or death? This is not 1997. You can't drop cinder blocks on someone. Like that quote in itself just made the whole statement stupid. Like I don't understand. This is not Sasha and Bailey's fault that they are put in this position. And, and at the end of the day, they're put in that position because the metrics, the ratings, the, the shop merchandise buys, there's people interested on Twitter. Like this says nothing about Sasha and Bailey and more about the fact that the company wants to book this way. It's not their fault at all. I think Ember Moon's a little bit salty. And I think she maybe should be a little bit salty because she was NXT Women's Champion and brought up on the main roster and no one ever did anything for her. She wasn't in any major feuds. She's a great wrestler. I love her moveset. You know, I haven't really seen her charisma come out, but she just, I think that she, when she was on backstage, really kind of, I like how she's a fan. I appreciate her passion, but some of the shit she said is just stupid. The, like, she even, start, even she when start. Sasha and Bailey won the tag team championships, I was watching this in my garage downstairs and I almost broke a window because Paige was like, oh, I think more people deserve it. Like, no, no, the tag team championships were an afterthought for ever since Sasha and Bailey had those champ Nikki and Alexa, but the company didn't commit to it. Ever since they held those championships, they've yeah. elevated Shotzi and Tegan Knox. And I don't think they're ever pushed at all. And this is not 1997. I just think that Ember Moon needs to kind of like take a step back, worry about rehabbing yourself. I love you as a performer. I think you should be 
place a lot higher than you were. I feel really bad, but you shouldn't project that on the current product, especially when you're a current talent like that. She sounds like a Twitter troll. I, yeah. I, hope, that, I hope that's not too harsh, but that's what it sounds like. I felt like I was reading a freaking thread from somebody that was complaining about a Monday Night Raw episode. Literally. Same well, same verbiage, same cadence. It, it was embarrassing. Go ahead, Brickhart. What's your thoughts? Well, okay. So I guess my, you know, in initially hearing that, I mean, of course, I just go, oh, God, Ember, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, you know, then I, because I'm with you guys. I love Ember Moon. I think she's an incredible performer and an elite athlete. And I use that term in the proper way. Um, I think, <laughs> which we'll get into here in a bit. Um, yeah, I think she's a great athlete, uh, has a great moveset, a great look. I lo- I'm all in on Ember Moon, and I hope that she's back sooner rather than later. They could definitely use her on SmackDown. Um, but, the, you know, and of course, obviously everything she's saying is, some, is stuff that we complain about every week, about the Twitter, Twitter trolls and the nimrods who have nothing better to do with their time than bash professional wrestling, you know, in order to get the clicks that they need to support, to feed their egos and maybe sub- try to support themselves somehow. If that's what I do for a full-time, you know, full-time living. But um, the only thing I could see, and maybe they're building something to this, is maybe this is part of a storyline. And this is going to be her story when oh. she comes back. Is that, is this really what we're doing with women's wrestling? We're going to put all of our focus on two performers. And they, you know, they pull the, like MJF did in his promo this week. You know, they, they pull it back and they say, you know, and they, and they, and they try to, you know, um, break the fourth wall a little bit and let you a little bit more in backstage. This is what we're doing as a company. We're not focusing on all these amazing professional wrestlers that we have on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. We're focusing everything on two people. Is this really what we're doing as the women? Because we, we just celebrated the fifth year of the women's evolution. And so they're saying, is this really what we want five years of the women's evolution to be? Us focusing on two people and just and having the rest of our women's amazing women's athletes do stuff like a karaoke dance or something like that. So maybe oh, that this is awful. Right. But I'm saying maybe this is part of a storyline. You never know. But if it isn't and Ember is just succumbed to a Twitter troll, then I I I feel bad for her as a you know and I, th- I think that she – I hope that she has better things to do with her time than to just bash a product with which is something that she's involved in. But I think it could be something part of the storyline. Derek, I love that idea. Like before you go, Josh, that idea was – like if Ember Moon came out and pulled kind of a Becky Lynch and confronted Sasha and Bailey, then by all means. But I think that just one more thing about her comments. She said that she felt cheapened. But that's how she should feel because that's what happened is that Asuka lost her title because she wanted to go – help out her best friend. She didn't get pinned. They're heels. And it was it was a great way to build towards Sasha and Asuka and Bailey and their feud. And as a viewer, you want to see, again, you want to see Asuka beat the crap out of Sasha and Bailey. Yeah. And that's what the goal of the entire booking was. It You should have felt cheapened. So for her to say, I feel cheapened, and then go out on this tangent about there's so, so many women sitting in the locker room. And trust me, I talked about it on TBD Wrestling that's out today, I guess, because this release is on a Friday. Like, their, WWE has done a terrible job of booking the undercard of women's division. There's no reason why Shayna Baszler, why yeah. Bianca Belair should be waiting and sitting at home, especially on a three-hour show, especially during a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> I agree with that completely, Josh. And uh, I'm sorry, Matt. And, and you know, Josh, you and I have talked about this before. 
in the current women's evolution, it seems like there's no, they only focus on one women's storyline per show. You know, they don't, they don't have a secondary storyline that they can focus on. I feel anyway, but Josh, go ahead. Really quick, I want to give a quick shout-out to the good brother, Patrick Fritz, uh, rated PWF, who's actually watching the show. And we also got a comment from the good brother, Drew Goldfinger. Oh, hey, hey, <laughs> Wow, what's up, Drew? Let's see how I put this up. On the- awesome. You see oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> They're watching good, the show. That's, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> good, to see you guys. good to hear from you guys. Yeah, so here's, here's the thing. Before we uh, get into the most popular – segment and most requested segment in all of podcasting in 2020 it's time to recap aw dynamite but we're not playing the song yet no nope. start with the positives first. yes i thank you <laughs> all right let's make a water for this yes um i'll start with you Bernard. What, what did you like about dynamite what was your thoughts on this show okay so i i think everybody knows the first thing that i'm gonna pop and that is, to me, one of my favorite professional wrestlers in the entire world right now. He might be in my top three, and that's MJF. His promo on Dynamite this week is exactly what we have been talking about for the pretty much ever since AEW started as a promotion. Like, calling out the marks, calling out, you know, he's, you know calling out the, the, what AEW is trying to represent. And all of a sudden, you know, and I know, and I know he shifted it a little bit to target John Moxley, which is fine. And I, because what have we been saying, Josh, for the last month or so? AEW needs to push its own homegrown talent. Correct. And he said, "I'm here for 25 years. I'm going to be the man that builds this company from the bottom all the way to the top." And I, and part of me actually believes that because. What would happen if he went to WWE? He would get lost in the shuffle, just like EC3 did, just like Eric Young did. You know, all those, you know, all these guys who came in from other promotions that had huge hype and just got lost in the shuffle. I think that would happen to MJF. So the fact that MJF called out the marks, said that he's going to be there for 25 years, um, they started, he started mentioning ratings. Everybody wants to talk about ratings. What have we been saying for the, for the last, you know, three weeks about ratings and stuff like that? So to me, the highlight of AEW this week, as it is every week, is MJF cutting an unbelievable promo. I loved every word he said. Props to Josh for an incredible transcription on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. So you want to be sure to check that out. Because I have I pulled that up, and, and I'm looking at it right now. I cannot wait for MJF versus John Moxley at All Out. I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, the other thing that stood out to me, and something that I'm very, and I, and, and I, if I'm stealing all the talking points, I no, that's cool. Um, the other thing that I actually am really, really excited about and looking forward to is seeing Matt Cardona debut with AEW. I think that that pair, I think that that signing makes total sense. When he was Zack Ryder at, in WWE, he knows how to build a following. He got himself over with the Long Island IC gimmick and the and the YouTube show as the mm-hmm. Internet Champion. When he won the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 32, the crowd went bonkers because they were so happy for him. So Zack Ryder, I guess Matt Cardona now, um, has a following. He, uh, I think that he absolutely knows how to build a brand. I think he knows how to get himself over. I think that's an outstanding signing, and I'm really happy 
to see him in AEW. I think he's going to get a real shot to showcase what he can do. So those are the two big things that I took away from AEW this week. Matt, you were watching the show this morning. Yeah. I, you sent me a picture of you watching both AEW and NXT, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Matt, Matt what, what did you like about AEW this week? What caught your attention? So first of all, Jericho's always funny. The cat piss thing was hilarious. You can complain about the the tag matches, whatever you want, but you always know that Jericho is going to be entertaining, and I appreciate that. Uh, something that I was not expecting that I didn't see on Twitter that I love is I love that Ariane is back. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, I thought she was done with wrestling, and, you know, was she is she Sasha Banks or Charlotte? Not necessarily, but she can go. She can work in the ring, and she's a household name. She, yeah. is, the, she is the perfect tag team parlor partner for Nyla Rose. I haven't been able to get an Nyla Rose at all. Vicky Guerrero was perfect for Nyla Rose. Uh, I'm going to give a positive and I'm turning negative a little bit, uh, but that <laughs> AW is doing a women's tag team championship cup. That's or tag team cup. That's amazing. Uh, and I also love FTR and how they, they love the smash coolers over people's heads when they come out and save someone. So, uh, Show's okay, but I, I can always take a couple like little things here and there. But again, the thing that really surprised me that I was happy about was the the Arion appearance. As crazy as that sounds, yeah, you can't go wrong with Turtle Sunday Waterfall. You know, it's been a while. <laughs> there's, there's lots of great waterfalls walking up and down these streets. I'm yeah. sure. And still, the best the the elite of waterfall in AEW is Penelope Ford, and it's not close. Um, all right, uh, I saw Josh. I saw your tweet the other day, and I didn't respond. It was funny. That's not that's hilarious. The Penelope Ford is the best thing to come from Philadelphia. I will completely disagree. I'll take a cheap steak any time over that waterfall <laughs> or a soft pretzel. But mm. it was what, hilarious. What about both? But but Matt, I'll take both. But not a Pat's or a Geno's because those are both just gimmick places, right? Exactly. Go to actual Tony Luke's, Jim's, Steve's. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, when I mentioned the waterfall, for those who watched for the first time, I'm not saying it in a disrespectful lie. It's just comedy purposes, all right? Lighten up, everybody, please. (laughs) Reintroduce the, the audience to the waterfall joke. The only thing that Penelope Ford needs to do is get rid of uh, Times New Roman font, and then she'll be even, even right. better. Time News Roman font. <laughs> you know, it was uh, ridiculous. They had 12 matches on AEW Dark on Tuesday. Jeez, man. Wow. In a two-hour show? That? That's crazy. It took me took me two and a half hours to do AEW Dark this week. So people, people complain about Raw and SmackDown and their like their matches that are over and over and over again. But to hear that, like twelve matches, that's insane. Okay, this gives me an idea. When we get to our next segment, I now yeah. have something to talk about because I want to talk about that in our next segment. All right, I, I have a couple things from my point of view that I liked uh, from Dynamite. I at first, I was skeptical, skeptical, but I actually liked the Cody Rhodes Warhorse match. I think Warhorse Warhorse actually impressed me a little bit. Yeah, the makeup and the whole Ultimate Warrior thing. Uh, again, that's one of the reasons I was skeptical about it. But what he did in the ring was actually pretty impressive. So I thought the match was pretty solid. I, I still don't get the whole thing where Cody Rhodes is a babyface, but he's doing push-ups in the ring, and uh, he is the American Two Face. Uh, wrestler, that's just what it is. I've been consistent with that. Cody Rhodes is not a baby face under any circumstances. Um, what else? I it, 
as if, as brief as it was, um, I liked the Texas Tornado no DQ match. Uh, the main event for the show was John Moxley and Darby Allen against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. More importantly, I liked the promo that Ricky Starks cut before their match. Man, I don't know if you saw that before the main event started and they're right outside the tunnel and Taz is cutting his promo. Don't you know Taz seems to be uh, always throwing some petty shot towards somebody that critiques his work every single week? Don't you notice that? <laughs> I don't know if that's a gimmick or that's just him. No, it's just the overall tone of that company. Yeah. Right? They feel slighted or they got done wrong by WWE. They're going to bring it up on their show because that's that's how they get pops. That's how they get over with their audience. So, um, yeah, exactly, Brett Carter. And then – my thoughts on the NGF um, state of wrestling address uh, is the best promo I heard in AEW this year so far. Um, I felt like I was cutting that promo. Uh, t- hearing MJF say like, oh, everybody's not pretending to be a, me- a-, a media analyst and everybody wants to talk about ratings. I thought that was a great line. Uh, pointing out fallacies about John Moxley. Yeah, John Moxley's a good wrestler, but he he does do cosplay of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He does do that a lot. <laughs> would I would I say John Moxley's the best wrestler in the world? No. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting for a guy that they pump Moxley up like he's CM Punk, but I don't remember CM Punk having a sleeper of a SummerSlam world title match with Dolph Ziggler a few years ago, but nobody wants to bring that up, right? Because because John, here's the Moxley is Teflon now because he did the Jericho podcast. So here's how you get over in AEW, ladies and gentlemen. You get released by WWE, you go on talk as Jericho, you get signed by AEW, and you talk about WWE. I just gave you the four steps to get over in AEW. And I'm glad that FGF is the foil of pointing out the flaws of what AEW presents. And he's opposite of that. And, you know, I, I love his character. And he's right. We do deserve better. Sometimes I forget that John Moxley is the AEW world champion. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And placement, a bad thing. placement is very important when it comes to television. It's it's probably the most important thing in my point of view. Right. And um, here's the thing. When when it takes almost two months to get Moxie in the main event time slot as your world champion, that's a problem. That and, is a big problem. And we'll get into this, but we've talked about this at nauseum, Josh, but they're pushing their secondary title more than their world title because of who hold because of who holds the belt. Shouldn't they call it dictator Tony? Instead of making John Moxley the dictator? Mm, that, well, that's true, too. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, folks. it's We're past 90 minutes. It's time to give people what they want. <laughs> Actually, uh, real quick before we do that, can we just uh, really quickly just give thank you for a Britt Baker Appreciation Day? Yes. Britt Baker Appreciation, Britt Britt Baker appreciation I'm Day. Doing that. I'm writing that one down, too. No, I'll just pay for waffle reasons. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah, uh, Matt. Every we decided last week that every time that uh, Britt Baker's on our TV, it becomes Britt Baker Appreciation Day because she is just outstanding. Well, she's not Michael Jordan, but she's fantastic. Go ahead, well, do the intro if you will. Here we go, Josh. It is time for the flagship and most requested segment every week of the Hoots Podcast. Here we go. 
it's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Brought to you this week by Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I think I'm also, also a side uh, sponsor, BlueChew.com as well. <laughs> I think I may have to re-record that clip and every week to, and add a sponsor. I don't know. No, I, I keep telling you every time we do the bump, bump the last two notes in that uh, in that clip. There, we need the. You're right, Jr. Clip from Tony Schiavone. You know how he says that all the time in concert. You're totally right, Jr. <laughs> okay, <laughs> welcome well, everybody to what the hell is wrong with AEW this week? Brought to you by. The one and only Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh, the worst website known to man, and the worst audio quality shows known to man as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if I needed to hear somebody have subpar takes and squeal like a fucking 18 year old girl, I'll listen to Colin Cowherd than I would Brian Alvarez. So that's, let's start that off right there. All much. right, here we go, ladies and germs. I'm going to start off here because I got a lot I need to get off my chest because I thought this show outside the main event and the John Mossy match was was a thrown-together show, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I did not enjoy the majority of the show. I thought the commentary, for the most part, was piss poor. Uh, JR's transitions into pitcher and pitcher were horrible. Um, I... I like JR. I want to hear Jim Ross. I'm sick and tired of hearing podcasting JR because the complaints he talks about selling and all the like old school stuff you'll hear him say during matches. He says that on his podcast, Real JR. Leave it for the podcast. You're calling the match. Tell me the fucking story. I don't need your old school take on what's happening in the business right now. This is not a podcast. I shouldn't be telling you this. This is JR. This is the guy that got me hooked into wrestling. Call the fucking match. How about that? Is that too much to ask? And here we go. You think I don't like AEW tag team matches? What do you think I think about a 10-man AEW tag team match? And how about this? Aubrey Edwards is the referee for that match. That match layout was by far the most insulting thing I've seen in a while in wrestling. We're going to do hot potato with stunted growth with Jake Hager and Luchasaurus just for the hell of it. Now, I get it. I'm on the negative side of the Marcus Stunt. I know you two enjoyed the Jurassic Express, uh, Jungle Jabroni and Lucha Dooch. No. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, okay, you be quiet. Oh, you be quiet. Those two are talented. I know. I like, I like Jungle Boy. Hey, and there's Marcus Son, Josh. Marco Stun. Marco Stun's the bane of my wrestling existence. We, we can probably do, we can probably do this segment just on stunted growth alone. But go ahead. Yeah, I just thought the match layout was so stupid. And you you're doing again. I keep mentioning this every single week. If you're having a tag match, why do you need to do punch tag elbow to the back of the neck tag like? You're making your work in the ring look lazy because you don't know how to work on somebody's body part for a certain amount of time. There's no reason why Jake Hager in 2020 needs to be in the match for fucking 70% of the match. (laughs) 
And here's the thing. I hear JR in the contrary. Oh, I think there's still uh, untapped potential in Jake Hager. It's 2020. There's nothing left. There's absolutely nothing left. The only thing that needs to happen is Jake Hager, Jake Hager needs to go the fuck home and say the fuck hey. home. That's it. Nothing Damn. else. But, but Josh, his wife can stay. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She's the exception. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. We 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 applaud. That, there, that ten man tag team match was a complete and other mud show, uh, as Jim Cornette would say. I do like uh, I did like the Jericho promo, like you're saying earlier, Matt. I forgot to mention that when I liked the you know they're set up the debate next week of him and Orange Cassie. That should be pretty funny. That's I'm, like, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's going to be funny. Yeah. All right, what else to me that. I do. Hey, I, by the I, way, Josh, I, I want to say, I, you know, because you don't like 10-man tag matches, we get a 12-man tag next week. My God. Man. With the Dark oh, Order. God. Against the Dark Order taking on FTR, the Young Bucks, and the tag team champions. You know if WWE booked that match, how many fans on Twitter would shit on it? Yeah. Right. Don't you love the double standards, Matt? <laughs> Welcome to what this uh, segment represents. Pointing out double standard. No, it's AE double standard, not AEW. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. I yeah. like that. <laughs> um, here's another thing. Like, I, you know, I was just mentioning where tags, tag outs don't make sense. Look at how many times uh, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, tagged each other in during their match with Omega and Paige. Like, if you took a shot for every time they tagged out to each other, you'd be dead. Literally. If you literally took a shot of any alcohol you want and how many tags you counted from Evil Uno and Sue Grayson, you'd be dead. It was ridiculous. And then I think the biggest thing for me this week that I just thought was so silly was Tony Schiavone making Matt Cardona look like he was Scott Hall coming in to save Cody Rhodes. And when most of your full sightings for AW now is just guys that got released by WWE, I think that's a bad look for your company. It's a different exception for Impact that need stars and big name talent. Like Impact develops their own talent and focuses on their own talent. They need other people to bring them to another level. But when you have AEW and you're being the alternative, trying to be different than WWE, right? But every time I watch your show, I keep getting flashbacks of TNA and WCW. And that's not a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's not. So, yeah, am I happy to see Matt Cornona back on a wrestling television show? Absolutely. Uh, I know he's good friends with Cody Rhodes, and they're going to be butt buddies. And I'm sure it'll be cool. And maybe Cody turns up Matt Cornona when he finally shows his true heel colors. But... Tony Schiavone to make Matt Cardona come out like he's Scott Hall or some major game changer guy. I I just don't I, I don't get it. So that's my portion. I'm sorry that I hogged most of this segment, but no. What about you guys? Well, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Derek. Well, the only thing for me for what the hell is wrong with AEW this week is Josh. You talked about AEW Dark. A two hour show had twelve matches. So what? So to me, what that says is that their YouTube show, not their cable television show, but their YouTube show is going to focus on wrestling. And their cable television show is going to focus more on stupid ass storylines and pushing the elite, the, 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 
the the this company that says that they're all there's the alternative, the ex WWE slash the elite, these you know, the boys that are part of this, you know, clique for lack of a better term. That's what we're gonna push on our television show. But yet this company who says that wrestling matters and records matter and in-ring competition matters is going to put all of their wrestling on their YouTube show. How does that make sense? How does that, you know, this company that pushes, oh, we're about professional wrestling and records and blah, 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 blah. We're all, but we'll just put that on a YouTube show that probably not a lot of people are going to watch. But our cable television show, we're going to focus on the boys the, the guys that started this company, the guys that felt like they got a raw deal in whatever former promotion they were in. That's what we're going to focus on on our television show. Are you kidding me? Hey, can, yeah. I, can I tell you that I'm totally indifferent on FTR against the Young Bucks? They haven't got me hooked into that matchup one iota. No. And I like both FTR and the Young Bucks. I think that all four of them are really good wrestlers. I really do. I'm glad I get to see the Young Bucks. I'm, gl- I'm not glad I get to hear the Elite theme song because it's, I think it's one of the stupidest theme songs ever created. Beat. Elite. Beat. Beat. Super kick. marks with their lighters up like this. Like. Yeah, this is so – what is this? Is this three count from and, – and this is a not sh- – uh, props to you, Matt, for your segment. What is this? Is this three count from WCW? Like is that what the theme song is supposed to be? And that's not a shot at your segment, Matt. That's a shot at that gimmick from 2000. So what the hell is wrong with AEW? But Matt, you're the new person in the show. I yes. want to see what you think. Oh, oh, man. Brother. <laughs> oh man, I have, I'm, I'm very new to this segment. And all right, Derek, I'm really sorry, but I don't care about MJF at all. Um, I think if you're going to build toward people on Twitter were saying it's a big match between uh, John Moxley and MJF. I first of all, I thought the promo was good. The promo was good. I like the whole flips and dips thing because that's a problem with AEW as well, but I just don't care about MJF. I don't like his Arnold Schwarzenegger body behind him. I don't like I'm not a huge fan of his in-ring style. I just don't care about MJF. So for me, for MJF to be in the main event of All Out says so much about the company. He's a young talent, so good for AEW. That's great. I apologize. I just do not like MJF. What? Number two. Uh, I I think it's ridiculous. And it's so funny because this company is supposed to be different, yet the company is based around Cody Rhodes and Zack Ryder and Ty Dillinger and Dean Ambrose and FTR, and this is supposed to be a different company. Derek, you hit the nail on the head a couple months ago. AEW does not have an identity. They they really, really, really don't. Um, I think their fans are hypocrites, like I just said. Like, okay. If Teddy Long booked booked that ten man tag match, like WWE would have gotten destroyed on Twitter about it for a while. It's completely ridiculous. I think that the spacing out of the shows is bad. Like you said, Josh. Like Jim Ross sounds like he's on a podcast. It's not. It's not a wrestling show. Yeah, they book these matches each and every week, but I want to see these matches lead to something. They, they just throw matches on TV, and the show goes through, and you have no idea whether the match means something or if it doesn't. I just think that they, there's a lot of work to do with, with uh, AEW. I'm also not a huge fan of Britt Baker at all. She knocked the whole role model thing off. That pissed me off a lot. Screw that. I think their women's division is a joke. I think it's an insult. I think if they didn't have to have it, they wouldn't have it. Uh, their champion's fine, but that's pretty much about it. And the tag matches. Like, I, I don't understand it at all. Like, I just think, like, it's crazy for some people to go on Twitter and say that, 
okay, like, yeah, it's such a, a big fight feel. What do you mean it's a big fight feel? I think, I think, <laughs> I think that Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton and Karrion Cross and Keith Lee is a much bigger match, and yet people are going are gonna to sing the praise. Okay, so all out, we're going to have Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho. I've seen that before. I've seen that match in WWE. I've seen Luke Harper and Dean Ambrose. It was a great match, but it doesn't draw me in. I understand, like I said before on the show, on TBD Wrestling, you have to establish a brand. It does take time. And you have these WWE stars, but Josh, you get the nail on the head. Like Impact has needed these stars to establish themselves a little more. AEW just throws in everybody from WWE. And Jason uh, Maltoff from NAI tweeted this morning, I agree 100%, that, okay, they were undeserved. They weren't pushing WWE. When in all reality, they're just ex-WWE stars that are kind of Overpush, not overpushed, or overwatched. They're washed up, not overpushed. I'm like, I'm hot right now because I have so oh, many, dude. I have so many things I want to say about this. Like, Go. I, I really, Go, really, really want to like be full into AEW. I've watched every single show. I think they have a lot of great performers. There's lots of positives there. I love the Butcher and the Blade and the Young Bucks. That was a great match. I like yes. Jurassic Express. I think Orange Cassidy is kind of funny, kind of quirky, but. I just don't think that fans can go on Twitter and be so like, oh, yeah, Raw sucks, SmackDown sucks, even though AEW is literally performing in a football stadium and SmackDown and Raw are inside the Performance Center. It's kind of hard to compare. Also, like you said, Josh, a couple weeks ago, the whole demo god thing is bullshit. Do you think that do you think that Randy Orton or Sasha Banks or Bailey would go on WWE programming and talk about their ratings? And no, you could be the demigod all you want, but you got beat in the main event you got beat in the ratings it doesn't matter obviously that demographic is very important but it's a tv 14 show versus a tv pg show so it's almost apples and oranges right there of course 18 to 49 are going to watch aw over nxt because it's, it's more of an edgy show they can curse they can make sexual references wwe can't do that at the end of the day nxt is a better wrestling show period picture what the ratings would be for aw if the show is not rated tv 14 that's the question I have, everybody, to put in your head. Do you really think AEW's having that much buzz right now if the show's not rated TV-14? Just think about it. And also, I love how every those main dirt sheet reporter guys are touting about how great AEW's tag team division is. Cool. You can have big main tag teams, but if all your fucking tag team matches have no psychology and they make no freaking sense, what's there to promote? Like, it's cool. I, I, I thought it was funny. Like, NCR, they had their little contract negotiation, right? They're like, that was cool. It, it, like, employ people holding tag roads in only NCR matches. I thought that was great. I thought that was hilarious. But that's also compounding the problem. You can't say this is the company that focuses on tag team wrestling when the fucking tag matches don't make sense. You bury the referees. You make the tag teams look bad. You can't lay out a match properly without cutting the ring in half properly. And it, it just you. And here's the thing: nobody needs twenty minute tag team matches on television every single week. It's it's bad formatting. How many tag matches were on Dynamite last night? Four, three or four? <laughs> like, come on, man. I, we're all uh, the women's match. There was okay. Let's see. You've yeah, got, there's Sheeta and Diamante. I think that was the only other. C- oh, Cody and Warhost. So there's three tag matches last night. Right. That, that I mean, again, that's an old WCW strategy. 
we're going to put the NWO versus a few WCW faces in an eight-man tag for eight minutes to close out Nitro. And we're going to have Michael Buffer do the ring introduction. And Mick- Michael Buffer is going to take six minutes to do the ring introductions. Like, And how's that company doing right now? Oh, wait. They were bought out by their competition. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And now we're going to get it. Like I said, we're going to get a 12-man tag match next week. I'd much rather see Kenny Omega turn heel on the Elite and face John Moxley. Now, that is a main event that I could get into. Yeah. Derek, Derek I'm sorry. I just am not – I'm not an MJF guy. I thought the – he cuts <laughs> look, he cuts great promos. He does. And I think a lot of the content in the promo was hilarious. The whole Stone Cold thing, it's funny. I'm just, like, not into the gimmick. And for me, it's just – it's not a Corbin-level hate. It's not – it's not hate, hate. It's not hate or heat. It's not Corbin heat. All right, it's heat because I just don't like watching him on my screen. In the ring, promo wise, he can cut as many promos as he wants, but he's walking around with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's you know just strolling <laughs> around That's on the why screen. It works. And then That's and then why it works. a week later, he's running for president. <laughs> That's why it works. It's because he's got Wardlow right there and he can do all that crap. And then. <laughs> we don't have to get into this right now because I know we, we're almost out of time. Yeah, we're we going to get out of here. We don't have time for this. Okay. All right. Anything uh, else? Can we get out of this segment? By the way, I love you guys, but yeah. that's what that's what's wrong with AEW. This Derek, it's more it's more about the hit the placement and the booking of his character than it is about him as a performer. That's what got me hot. What the hell is wrong with AEW? At this point, this is going to be brought to you by the TBD Wrestling Con- Podcast. At this point, if you keep this up, Mitchell. <laughs> oh, we'll do the crossover. We're going to do it a lot. Oh man! All right, folks. Last thing before we head out for this week's podcast, I want to uh, have a little sports discussion with the boys here really quick as we're uh, in the midst of baseball coming back. Uh, NFL training camp starting soon. Uh, looks like the NBA and NHL, more importantly, is coming back. I got to say, I think the NHL has done the best job as far as the layout of this uh, pandemic of sports so far. Not only just how they're handling with the testing and everything, but – the layout of the the designs for their bubble uh, stadiums. I, I just think the visual aspects of it looks really cool. It doesn't look rinky-dink like the NBA uh, court that they're using at Disney World. In the know? middle of Mickey Mouse's ballroom. Yes. Yeah, so um, big props to the NHL. Just really quick before we head out here, just brief thoughts on what's going on in the sports world and what's catching your guys' eye. We'll start off with Matt. Yeah, guys, uh, anyone that listened to me on any of these shows, you guys both know, like, I bleed hockey. Um, I love the sport. I've, it was the first sport I loved, and the Flyers were the first team I loved. So I knew when I saw them back on my screen that I would shed a tear, and I even shed a tear while Sidney Crosby was skating around the ice because I was, <laughs> I was so – and that's crazy. I was so happy to see him back. Uh, like what Josh said, I think the NHL has done – an unbelievable job. Everything from their faces to training camp to getting all the players there. Um, both Roger Center and the Scotiabank um, Arena look absolutely unbelievable. I actually had a chance to watch a video from Sportsnet uh, yesterday that kind of showed me the layout of all of the bubble, and it's pretty much an enclosed area. They walk on the streets, and there's 
fences up. They have their own team hotels. It's really cool in Toronto. They're letting um, the players use the uh, soccer stadium as like recreation. They're in beautiful hotels. They're all together. They all have their own floors. All the teams have done such like nice touches. Like for example, after the Flyers first scrimmage, they had a whole like love picture of pictures of all their families. A lot of the teams have pictures of their families in their rooms when they got there. It's obviously extremely hard. Um, for a guy like Sean Couturier, who his daughter was just born, to leave your family for two months. But it's all for the cup. Um, I'm going to be watching hockey uh, nonstop, even the scrimmages. Like, I'm so happy to have it back. It's just so unique right now that we're going to be able to see all the sports, maybe, um, in the middle of the summer in a different setting. I think this Stanley Cup uh, playoff qualifiers and tournament is going to be unbelievable. I mean, I've never imagined or ever seen in my life – two days where it's just 10 hours of wall-to-wall hockey. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm also excited to see the NBA back again. I think it's really cool that they're in Disney World. Um, I'm going to give a not shout-out and a go-the-fuck-home to the MLB for what they've yes. done. I think it's absolutely terrible. It's a joke. I have no Floppy. idea how the Marlins had 15 players or 18 players that have coronavirus. And on Sunday, this past Sunday in Philadelphia, there was four players that tested positive. And the team made the decision to play the game. How in the hell does that happen? And I have been one that all along has said there will be football. There's too much money. There's too much money. But when you look at what happened with the Marlins, and you're going to have NFL teams with bigger staffs, bigger rosters, traveling back and forth, to different cities, not just when the, within your division. I almost think the NFL should do a bubble thing like the NHL. I think if you're looking to what to do right now during the coronavirus, you have to look what the NHL has done, and I'm so, so impressed. I'm so excited to watch. I'm also excited to watch the Phillies and watch football. It's great to have just live sports back, but it's just funny. The NHL here, the MLB, on my deck. Real quick, Matt, how you feel about Carson Wentz being left off the top 100 list? <laughs> Dude, it's just like this is why I will never watch a show. Like I never have because it's so political when it comes to the NFL Network. But Carson Wentz is one of easily one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes. You can make an argument for top five. What he did last year for the Eagles to put the team on his back when we were under five hundred, he was throwing to receivers that are as fast as I am. Like it's crazy, and we still won the division. Yeah, it was a bad division, but Carson Wentz gets so much hate and so much negativity, not only from the national media, but from some people in our city because of what Nick Foles has done, um, which Super Bowl, amazing. But Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. Car- it's Carson, it's, it's the Gingers. Carson Wentz and Claude Drew that don't get respect um, nationally. And, I mean, Claude Drew gets left off every single NHL list, gets left off Team Canada, except no one knows or understands that there's only – three other players that have more points in the decade between 2010 and 2020. And that's Patrick Kane, Alex Oveskin, and Sidney Crosby. And then it's Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is probably the most underrated uh, hockey player in in all of the world right now. Um, Brian Carter, what's catching your eye sports-wise? Yeah. And I'll be real quick about this, too, because Matt hit all the uh, – I love what the NHL is doing, is too. I cannot wait. Like you said, Matt, we're going to get 10 hours of hockey on both Saturday and Sunday this weekend. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. You know, we're already planning uh, – you know, so I'm here in Colorado now, and the Avalanche play Sunday afternoon, and we're going to we, – there's a local dive bar about a eight-minute walk from my apartment. So we're going to go and watch over. And, um, by the way, the, the bartender there, shout out, his name is Billy. He's from Philly. 
So Ooh, he was really from Philly. Tell him I said I. I will. I will. And he's he's a big Eagles fan. On Sundays he goes. There's a there's an Eagles place here in Boulder. You know he has to be wow. he has to be very careful about that because obviously with the Denver Broncos being in town, he has to be very careful about when he when he picks his allegiance to uh, the to the Eagles. But I agree with you. I think that what the what hockey is doing is awesome. What baseball is doing has been an absolute joke. You're, and, and I know that some of the teams have, have obviously contacted coronavirus, so they haven't done a good job of managing it. But you're telling me that in the gigantic stadiums, you couldn't get at least some fans in there if you check their temperature when they come in, if you, you know, if they bring some paperwork that says, you know, as of two weeks ago, I was cool. You check their temperature. Oh, all is good. When you're sitting at your seat, you can have your mask off. When you, when you get up to go to the concession stand or use the restroom, you put your mask on just like you do in restaurants. Right. You're telling me that Major League Baseball couldn't get at least some fans in the stadium. Instead, they've got cardboard cutouts, and they're pumping in stadium noise to try <laughs> to help the, you know, to help hype the fans. Are you, are you kidding me? It's absolutely – The visual fans on Fox the other day was so stupid. Oh, it's awful. It's it's just like are you kidding me? It they're looks- gonna they're gonna do that for football though. I'm telling you right now, I don't know, man, because I think that they're gonna be able to get. They've said that they're gonna be able to get fans in. And again, you just wear your mask when you when you do what you need to do, and it's it's gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> you know, I only know one place that would work. AEW, they would get full praise if they had visual <laughs> fans around the building. <laughs> Absolutely. They actually, you know, sadly though, Josh, they probably could find a way to make it work. But, but, you know, but again, if they do that, they would get, you know, if one person even tested positive, be like, oh my God, shut down the company. So I know, I know why they're not doing it, but the only I, negative of the NHL's bubble is we don't get gritty. And that's so unfortunate. I always say gritty is my spirit <laughs> animal. And I don't know if you guys saw the, what the Flyers did is they bought a billboard it's right on the way to Scotiabank Arena. So every single time teams go to the arena, it says, you know, I'll be watching you with a picture of Gritty and like, go Flyers. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about sports real quick, because I know we got to wrap this thing up, yeah. is um, I'm worried about college football and about the start. And I know, Matt, you're a yeah. big college football fan, yeah. as am I. Uh, and I'm worried about it. Obviously, you know, the Power Five conferences are going to do their thing. And it's fine. They I know they need to with for TV revenue and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. But – I mean, and I know this is the least of their concerns right now, but you're not going to be able to, I don't think you're going to be able to appropriately crown a national championship, a national champion this year, because you've got, you're comparing apples to oranges. You know, if you have one conference, we'll say one conference is going to play 12 games. I hear on the West Coast, the Pac-12 is only playing nine games. So you're going to, what are you going to say? A 10 and two team or an 11 and one team versus a nine and O team. You can say, well, we're undefeated. Yeah, but we all, played, and that's going to be based on the committee, which people are going to flip out. They always do in general. I know it. So I'm just worried about that for the student athletes and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. But so, but, but at the end of the day, I'm so happy that sports are back. We just, this is something our country needs right now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Here's my thing on sports. I'll make this really quick for the people on social media and radio. Will you stop? Questioning people' character for the athletes who decided to opt out of their seasons. Like, right. do, do you really need to play authority on somebody who's looking out for their own family's health? I just think that's absolutely embarrassing. I've I've seen people here in Chicago question Eddie Goldman's character because he's not playing for the Bears this year. Dude, the guy is looking out for his family. He's a big nose tackle. You could be uh, attached to this thing as anybody else could. 
and he's looking out for his family. I just don't. I I have I have an issue when sports radio people try to question people's character, but they'll never say it to those guys' face. I really have a big problem with that. And it's not like it's about the money because they're clearly leaving millions of dollars on the table so that yeah, they are getting extra money out of that. They can right. sign somebody right so that they can take care of their family. It's it's. It's embarrassing. Sports talk radio is a joke in general, and th- and those guys that are saying that just need to kind of refocus and talk about all the sports instead of just uh, throwing out hot button, hot take items to get with their ratings up. It's really stupid. We talk about that a lot, Josh. Yep. All right, brothers. This has been a, a, a whirlwind, man. It's been a blast. I hope you guys had a good time on the show. As always, I thank you guys so much for taking time of your day to come join me on this uh, thing we call the podcast at Hoots. Matt, thank you again, Bert, for coming on. Tell everybody about the TPD Wrestling Podcast work. They can find you on social media. I will, Josh. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It is always such a great time to shoot the shit with you and with Derek and talk about wrestling and sports and life. Um, huge shout out to you, what you've done with this podcast, all the, the momentum and getting hundreds of thousands of downloads and clicks. is just unbelievable. Um, and I'm just excited to be on. I am the host of the TBD Wrestling Podcast um, with Tony, referee Tony S. That is going to be on both our feeds, a special episode. I'm excited to check that out. Uh, TBD Wrestling Podcast does post every single Friday. Um, we also have a unique segment that I've brought to this show that I brought in the pipe bomb called The Three Count, where you send your questions. So it's hashtag three count. Send it to us at referee Tony S. And at myself, at Matt McCool. Two four, uh, definitely check us out. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, J- Derek and Josh are going to be big parts of the show as well. We're going to do a lot, lots of crossovers, a pipe bomb union, another debate. Um, but like really quick before I head out of here, I had, did not tell Josh I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, I have a couple people that need to go the fuck home and stay the fuck home on the show. So number one is Denise Richards. She's a liar. She definitely hooked up with Brandy Glanville. I saw I saw it in her eyes. I don't care about her waterfall. You are a crazy, crazy bitch and you should be called out for your BS. Number two, the neighbors, the renters behind me that threw shit on my deck last night, go home on Saturday. Number three, the Nimrod, the little kids, 14-year-olds that stole two handles of liquor out of our fridge when our garage is open on Saturday. Go home. We're going to call the cops on your ass and stay home. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Right, Brett Cutter. Uh, how you follow up that one? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Derek Stout and follow me on Instagram at Derek06. Check out my work on WrestlingRumors.net. And uh, I have nothing else to add, Matt. That was a beautiful, beautiful way to end the show this week. Yeah. I love when you and I get to interact on these things. It's always it's- – the- the chemistry is unbelievable, and I love it. Uh, it's just oil and vinegar real estate. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Yes. So, thanks, Josh, for having me on, yes. as always. Looking forward to next week as well. Absolutely. You guys can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to check out the special uh, episode that I did with Tony yesterday. It's on our feed. It's, it's going to be on the TBD Wrestling Podcast feed as well. Uh, very cool episode where I go in more detail on how I structure out these matches on the website. The website is called ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to bookmark that bad boy. It's literally the main hub for point of references for people who do shows like this, for wrestling fans who don't have the time to catch up with all the shows. That's why the website's there. It's for your leisure. I pay 18 bucks a year just to have that trademark, Pro Wrestling Transcriptions. It's really nothing. It's not a big... Uh, hindrance to my bank account, if you will. Uh, 18 bucks is worth 
bring a unique and authentic and accurate news site for you guys in the wrestling bubble. So thank you guys so much for the support. More importantly, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Shows available on nine streaming platforms, Spotify, Google Play, the list goes on and on. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, We're about three and a half weeks away from SummerSlam, so I'm sure we'll have Matt back on the show beforehand before SummerSlam. And um, thank you guys so much for the support. So for the one and only Brother Carter and Mitchell McMill, I am Brother Adam. Thank you guys so much for checking out episode 216 of the Hoots Podcast. Be, Be the authentic product that is yourself, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Yes.